Welcome to the Bridging the Generation podcast. I'm your host, Malak Arif, and today I have a very, very special guest. Uh, my next guest is a singer slash songwriter who's known for hits such as All I Do Is Think Of You, uh, Spread My Wings, Mama Sita, Sweet November. I mean, the list goes on. He's also part of a songwriting and production team known as the Underdogs, who have wrought and produced over 60 million records with a Grammy to his name. He's also a member of one of my favorite R&B groups of the 80s and the 90s. And no further ado, I'm welcoming to the Bridging the Generation podcast platform, the one and only Steve Russell Hotz. Let's go. to Bridging the Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Malak Arif, and today I have a very, very, very special treat. This brother is one of my favorite entertainers. I grew up listening to this brother. He has been so influential as far as music, as far as rhythm and blues. We talk about a OG, a legend in the game, singer, songwriter. Words cannot explain how thankful and how Grateful I am to have this uh, this brother here today, and I'm talking about the one and only Stephen Russell Hartz from the group True. What's going on, brother? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So look, brother, man, words cannot explain how 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 excited I am to have this interview, man. Like I remember when I was uh, in junior high school, man, I performed to uh, Mama Cedar, man. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so I, you know, I had um, and well, it wasn't just me. It was me and my homeboys. We was trying to, we was trying to be y'all, cause here in DC, right. here in DC, man, you guys were like God, man. So I had, you know, I got, I had to break out the troop today, man. I had to break it. <laughs> That's dope, man. I appreciate that, man. That's the same way we were imitating New Edition, man. We did the same thing, man. No way, no way. That's what's up, man. So, 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 look, man. First of all, brother, how are you doing, man? With the whole coronavirus and all that nonsense what's going on man how are you holding up brother because you look amazing brother thank you man I'm, I'm holding up good you know um i'm really um focused nowadays on being the author and controller of my energy mm -hmm. you know i don't have the news on in my home spewing out numbers and spewing out this I, i'm really not in the coronavirus energy to be totally mm. I'm I'm watching I'm watching it go on, but I I haven't accepted the energy to be a part of it. So I'm doing great. No doubt, brother. I, I you know what I thought I was the only one, man, because you know like it, it's so many things going on uh, out here. But at the same time, you know I look at it, man. There's so many beautiful things out here too. So man, I I I, I can agree with them the, those sentiments, man. So look, brother, I hope you got a little time, man. I don't want to hold you. Now we good. I don't want to hold you, man. But this right here is a, is a special treat, not only for me, but for the fans, man. So 
what I want to do, brother, I want to take it back, man. I want to go back to the beginning, man. Like, you know, you, we, we, I, I know you from Pasadena, California. Uh, talk about, you know, growing up in Pasadena, California, man, during, you know, the, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the early eighties, man, because a lot of us, we don't know how we, you know, we don't know about the, the music scene in Pasadena. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, well, growing up in Pasadena, you know, um, it was just me and my mother. Mm -hmm. I'm from a single family uh, home, just me and my mom. Uh, and growing up was good. I had a solid foundation with my mom. She was the God in my life. She was the she was the one who instilled the fear. She's the one who instilled the rule. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No friend could influence me. My mom, I wasn't getting in a car with a bunch of guys. I wasn't, yeah, yeah. I wasn't doing nothing that was going uh -huh. on. I didn't want to, I didn't ever want to deal with the raft of my God, my mm. mom. Uh, so I stayed <laughs> in line. Um, and, you know, I grew up in Pasadena. I, I've, I've been dancing since I was seven and eight years old. My aunt used to take me, you know, when I grew up, Soul Train was the biggest thing in our lives. And um, all, mostly all of the dancers were from LA. And right. There's this, there's a really uh, popular beach called Venice Beach in Pas in California where uh, everybody used to go to Venice Beach on the weekends. So my aunt, my aunt Kat, uh, bless her heart, she used to take her little nephew to Venice Beach, man, <laughs> push me out there with all those adults and push right. me and make me dance with the soul train dudes and the people you know just make me dance so i i grew up dancing in pasadena and me and my buddy terrell amos a, a really dear friend of mine growing up we were two of the youngest guys in pasadena but the most popular guys going everybody knew about steve yeah. because we were just dancing we were just right. it came to dancing and then uh michael jackson came out with the thriller album man <laughs> you know, I, I went to pick my buddy uh, up from school. I used to stop get him, you know, on our way to school. And I was waiting in the living room, just sitting on the couch like I do every morning while he's in the back doing his getting dressed or whatever. And this morning he came out camel walking. You don't know nothing about Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I go, what's that? What's that? And he was like, when we school. Our boy Craig Zachary, he do Michael Jackson. I'm like, do Michael Jackson. So anyway, long story short, man, I go through that. I come home, and uh, there was this show called Casey Kasem's Countdown. Yes, sir. Casey, now hold up for the fans who don't know, Casey <laughs> Casey Casey Kasem is was a legend. Rest in peace. Yeah, he had a he had a countdown. He has a, 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 a it was like a. Uh, a top 10 the top 40 i believe countdown countdown and it was really it was really popular it been going on for like 20 30 years man so yes. just to the people who don't who don't know who casey he had a mean was that a was that a wig man he had on man for a long time your question he had a toupee for sure okay i i <laughs> but continue continue so i was watching casey Kasem, man and he played michael jackson's beaded video mm. Man, when I seen Michael Jackson laying on that bed and jumping up on that bed and doing all that, I was blown. I'm talking about, I was floored. So it <laughs> on, man, it was like a ghost of Michael Jackson entered my body. And I, uh, 
I was possessed by Michael Jackson. So for a whole year and a half, man, I was just, I was a little Michael Jackson. <laughs> I know that's right. Everybody knew me as the little, dis that dude, Steve, that little dude is bad. Cause I used to, I'm so serious, bro. So anyway, um, that's what my growing up was at the boys club. You know, I grew up, the boys club raised me, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I had mentors like Donna Ray Dixon was like my pop locking teacher. He taught me how to dance and pop lock and stuff. So I grew up with the bug of entertaining period. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to dance, but um, my mother used to sing and I would sing with her but I was shy. I would, I, there was no way I was going to sing anything in front of anybody, but I'll dance my ass off, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, time goes by. Um, I I'm in the ninth grade now. Okay. I'm coming out of the Michael Jackson, my favorite person on the planet, my grandmother, she transitions and she did, she, she, she always believed that I was special and I was going to be something special, but she transitioned when I was just, just turning 14 you know so i was just sold out and dedicated to becoming something to honor the fact that she believed in me from nothing right. so um like i said i was coming out of the michael jackson thing just coming into my own and every day passing school every day in school walking through school i used to see one of my buddies that i you know you know one of my buddies in passing and we play sports together and stuff but we wasn't really tight but he was my boy right. so mm -hmm. i see rodney every day on my way to third period or something i would see rodney and rest in peace one of our mutual friends hanji he used to always challenge rodney to slap box me because <laughs> you know, i was but I had hands. You had to, you had to, <laughs> you had to, you, hey, hey, Steve, you had a mean knuckle game. Hey, I had them hands, man. <laughs> he was growing up. So he used to always challenge Rodney, like, I bet you can't get Steve. I bet you can't get Steve. So me and Rodney was cool with each other. So we just shined it on. So um, one day I passed Rodney and he said, hey, man, um, me and I'm in a, I, I got a group, man. And you need to check us out. We 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 auditioned for putting on the hits, which was a lip sync show back in the day where you go on and lip sync people's songs okay. and win a thousand dollars first prize and all that stuff, right? So he was like, Steve, man, me and the group, me and my group. Now, mind you, this guy's an athlete. I didn't never think he was a singing, dancing. I just saw <laughs> him doing that. Now you talk about you talk about Rodney, the founder of Truth. Yeah, Rodney Benford. Rodney Benford. Um, and he said, hey, you know, the group, we auditioned for putting on their hits and we made it. So okay. watch it. So I was just excited that he was saying, I was like, what? Because at this time, I didn't know how I was going to make it in any fashion in the music business. But I was, that was becoming my focus. Mm. Get it? So, you know, I went home, I watched them on the show and then they won. And then they came back for the grand prize and they won that too <laughs> you know and doing cooler now cooler now yeah yeah new addition yeah so i was just honestly man i was actually so what's the word uh impressed right right that rodney had a group and they had dance steps you know yeah. 
I was like, I was just <laughs> one of the guys in the group was in my art class, Reggie, little short guy. Okay. Little short dude then, you know, now he's he was short. He was shorter than you? Yeah, he was a little <laughs> Okay. He was a little guy with a curl, really quiet. Yeah. yeah. Mama, I'm putting on the hits. I came to school and I was like, Reggie, man, how come you didn't tell me you? <laughs> so, anyway, long to, to, not so I'm not so drawn out. Uh, nah, take your time, brother. No, no, take your time, brother. Take your time. This is legendary right here. Come on. Okay, so anyway, um, talent shows were huge. Okay. 84, 85, 86. It was huge, man. Now, let me stop you for a second, real quick, um, <laughs> uh, Mr. Russell. What were some of before you and please don't forget your, your, your train of thought, but I want to know, like, what were some of your influences like in the area? Because, man, to be honest, we don't really know of any groups in Southern California. Like, I mean, you had the Whispers, but yeah. it was much older yeah. than you guys. So really, there wasn't really like another group that we knew of until you guys came around. So right. if there was any other groups, man, can you can you do, do you remember any of them? Well, there was there was no groups from our era as far as in California that we were molding ourselves after, you know, excuse me, they already were doing New Edition. New Edition was already the the format, the foundation of what Rodney and his guys were doing. Okay. So um Rodney um, there was a big talent show going on. And by this time, uh, like I said, I was very popular, man. I was super popular as doing Mike. And when yeah. I started singing, I, it just, I was still popular. So it was a wrap. <laughs> yeah, I was doing O'Brien, Howard. Oh, man. <laughs> so I was, I was auditioning for this talent show. And, and at this time, I was totally focused on becoming an entertainer because performing Michael Jackson, it made me fall in love with that praise that you get. People right. loved it. Okay. So I wanted that for myself. So I was getting ready to get to, to, uh, to get ready for the talent show. And the, um, the young lady named Valerie that put on all the biggest talent shows, she was like, hey, can you get in touch with Rodney and that group that was on putting on the hits? I want to have them in the talent show. And I was like, heck yeah, I see Rodney every day. Okay. So... For two days, I'm looking for Rodney and don't see him. All of a sudden, I can't find him. So this, <laughs> there was the, finally the the first day of auditions for the talent show came, and I was seriously looking for Rodney. And when I saw and I, I caught him on the, after school, I caught him. And I was like, "Hey, yo, Rodney!" And he, and he was saying, "Hey, Steve, man, hey, Steve." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we both. Had <laughs> You know, and I wanted to tell him about the talent show. And he was like, man, bump that. He said, man, a producer saw the show, wants to know if we can really sing, Stephen. We don't sing, man. I need you. And I was like, huh? Now, hold up. Let me stop you, Steve. So you telling me his group didn't sing? They just no. danced? It was dance group lip sync. Continue. No singers in the group. Wow. So, uh he came and he was trying to explain it to him. And he was like, man, you just, you got to talk to my mom, man. You got to talk to my mom. I, I need you, man. I need you. Mind you, I had just told my mother a couple weeks before that, that I didn't want to go to college playing football. I wanted to be an entertainer. Oh, I shit. just told her that I was scared to death, man. Yeah. And she didn't trip. She accepted it. Okay. And so here comes Rodney looking for me telling me this producer saw the show and wanted to know if the guys could sing. So 
when he came to me, of course, I was like, oh, come on, universe, let's crack, let's get it cracking. Yeah, I was like, yeah. But, you know, I called his, I went home, he gave me his number, I called his house and uh, trying to, you know, get with him to hook up and his mother would just hang the phone up in my face. He's rehearsing. <laughs> he can't come to the phone, he's rehearsing. I mean, I mean, man. Yo, what she had against you, Steve? <laughs> she was serious about the group, man. She was serious about this. This was her group, and she was yeah. serious about being good. So anyway, so, so so she had any? She thought that you was trying to probably. There's a possibility of you interfering with that. Yes, yes. She okay. Interference. So I, I I caught Rodney at school. I said, "Hey, man, I've been calling you, and your mom been hanging up in my face." Mm -hmm. And he said, "Man, my mom is on her way up here to, right now, man. Please come and meet." Shoot, I got a call. I'm sorry. So now go ahead, go ahead. This all this, this edit it. I can edit all this shit. But go ahead. So, <clears throat> so he he calls and he says, you know, he he says, my mom is on her way up here, man. Just just talk to my mom real quick. So, mm -hmm. uh, well, no, I'm rushing it. So I tell Rodney that his mother's hanging up in my face first. <laughs> so he goes home and tells his mom, you're hanging up on the guy that I'm telling you. This for the group, yeah. the perfect group. So she comes up to the school, and Rodney catches me the next day. And's like, "Hey, man, my mom is coming up to the school, man. You got to meet my mom. You got to sing for my mom or something." And I'm like, "Oh, snap!" But I'm so ready because I'm ready for my life to start, you know. So now, was this now, now, Steve? Was this your first time actually singing for in front of like a group of people? Because you mentioned that you was very shy. Yeah. Well, by yeah, well, well, what happened was, let me back up a little bit. Go ahead. Um, while I was in the ninth grade, before all of this happened with Rodney, I was in drama. Okay. Because I wanted to be an actor first. Okay. And my drama teacher was trying to get me the role of Theo on the Huxtables at the Wow. So did they did they film the Cosby show in, in, in California? Uh, I'm not sure. They I'm not sure they could have. I'm not sure, but he had the same agent and they were casting for that. So he was trying to get me in. He's like, I know this kid, he's perfect, but um, I couldn't wow. the auditions. My mom, she didn't take me to the audition. So I didn't. Oh, man. Let me, so you would have been, let me find out. You, uh, it would have been Cosby Show featuring Steve Russell as, as, as Theo Huxtable. Okay. I, that started again. <laughs> Dang. The static started again. So, okay. I'll just keep talking. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, in the drama class, he asked me, what do you want to be? And I said, you know what? I think I want to be a singer, man. He said, oh, really? And so he, he waited. He didn't say anything. But, when, you know, we had a cleanup bell back then where you got the bell goes off. You got five minutes to clean up before the exit bell. So the cleanup bell went off. He said, all right, everybody, clean up all your stuff. Steve's getting ready to sing us a song out of here. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's just so funny how the universe works. My my drama teacher had me singing in front of the class every day. And I was shy. The first day I was behind the curtains, bro. <laughs> behind the curtains. I, it, I can't explain to you that kind of fear, man. It's it's yeah. <laughs> so I um anyway, by the time Rodney approached me, he had broke the shyness. I wasn't shy anymore. So by the time I was getting ready to sing for his mother, I was ready. I wasn't shy. So I sang Lady I Love You by O'Brien for his mother. 
and she 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 loved it. She took me home to ask my mom, could I be in the group and stuff? And that was my start of being in Five of a Kind, what we later would become Five of a Kind. And um, I was in the group with the four guys. And like I said, nobody was really singers. And um, John John, when I was doing Michael Jackson, I told you I grew up in the boys club, John right. John boys club, boys club in too. Right. We, we grew up in the boys club and I used to have like 14 dancers and going around performing thriller at air force bases and doing shows as a young with the dancers and stuff. Right. And John John was one of my dancers back then. Oh, okay. So John John heard somehow he heard that I was going to be in that group that was on putting on the hits and uh, he followed Rodney home. And Rodney was trying to get him not to follow him. Like, yo, we already got our group. We're good. John John followed Rodney all the way home regardless. And, <laughs> and Rodney, and he met Rodney's mom. And Rodney's mom was like, yeah, he can help with the harmonies and stuff, you know. So long story short, one of the guys from the original Putting on the Hits group, Skeeter, dropped out. Okay. So immediately John John had a place. He put he, his Rodney's mom put John John right in Skeeter's place, so we went on with that group for some months, several months, and um, one of the other members, Shane, he um, he didn't like the rehearsing and hoping hoping something happened. He wasn't into that, so he he started ditching rehearsals and trying to ditch us and play us to the left a little. And Rodney's mom kicked him out the group. So um, in between that time, I had one a friend of mine, and I hate to be all over the place, but a friend of mine, uh, before, before the Shane got kicked out of the group, a friend of mine told me that I needed to come up to Altadena to this park and meet this kid that can sing, he's homeless. And he sing his ass off and you need to come see him. And we weren't famous or nothing, bro. And she was like, you need to come see this guy, Lawrence. He sings really good. So anyway, I set up a date with her to set it up. So one day I went up to Fonsworth Park. I met, I saw this guy singing. He's beating on his chest singing and making his beats. And you know, I, I was an only child. So I'm intrigued by people that- Right, I, right, right, right. <laughs> I love everybody, everything. Yeah. So anyway, I'm seeing this guy, little thin guy, he's singing and beating on his chest. I was like, okay, that's dope. I was like, you wrote that? And at this time, I didn't write songs or anything. Mm. And he was like, yeah, I wrote that. And so I was like, dang. So anyway, I never thought about him being in my group. It was just something that happened. Right. So on another, on another occasion, I went up to one of my cousin's house in Pasadena. And I used to go up to my cousin Sheena's house and play the piano and stuff all the time. So this one time... That guy Lawrence was there because his mentor was a friend of my cousin's. Okay. So when I got to my cousin's house, uh, Vincent was there. You know, we were all there. And so I started playing the piano. And we just had a nice time just hanging and singing and, and playing around. And when I got ready to leave, Alan ran out. Lawrence ran outside and said, hey, Steve, man. Uh, I just want to let you know if you ever, I know you got your group and stuff, but if you ever need a member, if somebody quit or anything, man, please consider me. And I was flattered by that because we wasn't nobody. Right. We, we hadn't accomplished nothing. And mm. 
people we were popular in Pasadena though. So he heard of you? He heard of you? And we were the shit, man. We oh. was popular. We were new edition of Pasadena. Nobody could touch us. Period. You know. <laughs> now did now did you guys ever perform like on uh in, in Venice Beach like for money and shit like that? Nah. Straight rehearsal to be great. Man. And um so that incident came where Shane was ditching us and he and then Alan's um Rodney's mom kicked him out of the group. And this guy Lawrence had already hit me saying, and I and to me, I'm like, I did, I never considered myself a great singer, but I thought he was amazing. So in my <laughs> mind, I'm like, ooh, if I get him, yeah, you know, this will be the business. So anyway, long story short, I've hunt him down. I, I finally find this guy and now he's in the group, so now uh -oh. you actual group that's gonna become true. We got one more member, one more. And, yep, and um, well, Reggie was one of Reggie stayed. Uh, John John took Shang place. Alan took, I mean, John John took Skeeter place. Yes, and the I took the first guy. One of the guys got arrogant from being on putting on the hits, and his mother kicked him out the group. So <laughs> that's where I came in. I took eight right. place. And okay. John John took Skeeter's place, and then Alan took Shane's place. So it was Rodney and Reggie left from the original group, and Reggie stayed. Okay. Now it was the original five of Troop, but we were called Five of a Kind. And so, so, so let me stop you for a second. So now you okay? Because we, we uh, this is basically pretty much a segue to what you're pro pretty much probably about to say right now. You're Five of a Kind. So now, when did you guys decide to call yourselves Troop? Because you know, a lot of us, man, you know. We pretty much thought you guys named yourselves after, you know, like the brand. Stuff, yeah. yeah. So, so talk about that. Like, where did the name come from? So what happened was time goes by, time goes by. We've we've danced and, and believed and danced and rehearsed and believed. And we finally got um, the attention of, uh, well, I, actually, the producer who saw us on putting on the hits. Okay. He was going through a divorce. He tried to put together a package really, really quick, and we didn't get a record deal, so he kind of vanished. Mm -hmm. So after we were rehearsing for months and months and months on our own, I stole his number out of Rodney's mom's phone book. <laughs> I went in her phone book, man, and I stole Greg Perret's number, and I went home one night, and I called him, and I was like, Greg, man, this is Steve from Five of a Kind. I was like, is Hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. I know that Greg Perret. He's a... P-O-R-E-E. -E. Greg Perret. You've seen him on the Heart Hotel, uh, uh, all the Jacksons albums. He's, he's yeah, yeah, I was about to say, because I got like, if you, you you might not be able to see what's behind me and on the side, but I have a lot of records and vinyl and CDs and stuff around me. But I know I've seen that name. I thought it was Greg Perret. Greg Perret. Greg Perret. Continue, continue. He's the guy that discovered us from putting on the hit. So anyway... I called him and I was like, Greg, this is Steve, man. Is there, instead of just leaving us alone, man, is there anybody that you could possibly turn us on to to help us, man? And he was so flattered that I called him asking that. Right. He was like, you know what, Steve? Yeah, there is somebody that I'm going to hook you guys up with. I'm going to have him call Gene, Rodney's mom. So uh, a couple days later, a guy by the name of David Cook called. Mm. And that's, that, um, that's how... Uh, we end up getting our record deal and everything. So anyway, long story short, we end up getting with David Cook 
he gets us a bunch of demos and we get a bunch of songs and stuff together. The songs are just okay that he's getting from the publishing companies. And he's like, you guys got to start writing your own songs. And I'm like, what? You know, like, what the hell? I don't, you know. So anyway, Alan teaches me how to write songs. And we finally get a record deal. We finally get signed. We finally make all of these moves in 1986. I was in the 10th grade. We got signed. Okay. So um, two years go by. I'm in the 12th grade. And it's time for us to actually come out. Mm. And I, we had changed our names from Five of a Kind to The Guys. And there was a group called Guy coming out that had a two-week release date before us. So we had to change our name. And we had this dance that we called The Truth, right? Okay. This dance called The Truth. And that's where the name came because when we were fishing for names, everybody was stuck. And I was saying, let's be true. Let's just wow. be, and everybody was like, ooh, 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 ooh. Man, yo, the whole time, and the whole time here, like, I know, like, here in D.C., man, all of us, we thought, you know, like, you guys had, like, a deal with Troop. Like, you, I wish. Like, <laughs> we I all wish. thought you guys had a deal with Troop, man. We we thought that was, like, it was, it, you guys was associated with the brand. We had no idea. Yeah, no, nah, that was MC Hammer and them. Before we even knew them, they had that in the Bay Area. Okay. So that's how we became Troop. You know, I threw the name out there. Everybody liked it. And Alan immediately said, total respect of other people. He's quick with it like that. So now Troop was our name. And, and that's how we got the name. We had a release date in three weeks. And we needed a name. And that's how Troop stuck. Okay. So let's go back a little bit. So in 1986, you said um, you guys, that is that when you, correct me if I'm wrong, is that when you guys uh, signed your deal with Atlantic? Tuesday, June second, nineteen eighty six. So it basically took y'all for that this first album, we, which we about to get into. This this project right here, the first true project. Uh, 19, yeah, nineteen eighty eight. This this is the self titled uh, true project right here. A classic, a bona fide classic. Two years and in the two years in the making. Now you mentioned you just mentioned um, that that you. Uh, your, that album came out two weeks prior to Guy's album, but it also came out two weeks prior to. Let me see if you remember. I don't remember. Two dope projects, New Edition and Bobby Brown, Don't Be Cool. Yes, we came out at the same. Yo, that's crazy. Isn't Tony, that crazy? Tony, Troop, Tony, 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 and Troop debuted on Billboard at the same time. And at the same time, we're thinking we're finna catch new edition slipping because they haven't released nothing. Okay. And yeah. they Jimmy Jam. That, that, that uh, Under the Moon album, Under the Blue Moon, it didn't really. Nah, really we wasn't sweating that. We wasn't worried yeah. about that at all, man. Yeah. So they came with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. On the, <laughs> I mean, man. <laughs> you talking about somebody sick to their stomach. I was hurt. <laughs> I was hurt. But you know what? I really like a lot of people don't rem like a lot of people forget about that, man. Like a lot of people think that new edition heartbreak came out before you guys. You guys dropped on, I believe, June the 13th and new edition dropped on um, June the 20th and Bobby Brown, June the 20th. And I, I don't know. Remember guy. But so you guys actually came out before uh, that, you know, new edition dropped their heartbreak album. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Definitely did. And. Uh, Donnie Simpson is the one that played us the Any Heartbreak album in D.C. when we went to the show. Yeah, what did y'all think? <laughs> I, was sick, I was sick to my stomach. 
<laughs> yeah. They added Johnny Gill. You know, we had John John, so we already thinking that we're ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny Gill, bro. <laughs> hey, from the crib, from the crib, from from, from Washington D.C. He from the crib, so we already knew. Like, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I remember when you guys dropped, and I was like, man, this is amazing. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. But I always, with the thing that I felt like me personally, and a lot of my friends, we felt that you guys had on them, and as dope as they were. Brother, y'all had them dance steps. They, they yeah. could not, they could not mess with you with the dance. They tried. They tried to switch they it up. They tried. They tried to switch up. You can see them doing our stuff. You remember on the any heartbreak video, they had the long shirts like us, the long Yeah, shirts. yeah. <laughs> they was doing our dances and everything. Yeah, yeah. So so here we are. So here we are. It's 1988, man. You guys dropped the self-titled true project, man. Now Around this time, was Sylvia wrong? Was she at Atlantic around that time? That's who signed us. We were her first group. Oh my goodness! Okay, we were her babies. Okay, okay. So how was that? How was that working with uh, you know, um, you know, what what? How was that working with Sylvia wrong? What was the you know the the the? How special was that? You know, it was super special, man, because she was coming into a, her own as an executive, and we were the a group that she chose along with the group she's inherited, like Levert and she that okay. stuff. We were a group that she chose to be a part of her journey. And she went and got Gerald Levert, Chucky Booker. She went and got some really good, talented people. You know, back then they were still A&R and projects and building and creating right. art. So right. Part of the whole, you know, she was a part of our sound getting together with the producers that she put together. But it was an amazing time, um, Gerald Levert, Mark Gordon wrote our and Eddie Levert. Talk, now let slow down. You 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 just throwing out legends like like they just like hold up. So walk me through, walk me through. You guys were see because unlike the second album, that first True Project, you didn't you guys didn't do any writing on that one. Well, yeah, we we did on the first one. Yeah, I wrote. Me and Alan wrote Still in Love. I wrote a song called Watch Me Dance, and I what other song did I write? Man, you got. I, I apologize, brother. I had no idea. Yeah, uh, me and Alan, we wrote "Still in Love" on the first album. Okay, uh, just watch me dance. And there's another song that we wrote on there. I can't think of it right now, but I apologize. I stand. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. It's all good. Our manager wanted us to. You know, he was trying to get us in the publishing game early, so he he was okay. kind of pushing for us to have at least one or two songs on okay. there. Okay. So, so so take me back. You know. When you guys were presented with Mama Cita from Mark Gordon and Gerald, like, tell me about that. Walk me through that because that that is a classic. That is a staple, man. How was that like meeting wow. Mark, meeting Gerald Levert, meeting Mark Gordon? And I believe Eddie Levert helped write that off as well. Yeah, yeah no question. So, so talk about that. So I was a huge Levert fan. Who was it? <laughs> I, was, I was Gerald number two and didn't know it, right? Man, what? So anyway. <laughs> Um, we get our record deal. Sylvia, she goes to Gerald and tell him she needs him to die in a Rossus like she did the Jacksons. Okay. So Gerald obliges. They put together some songs for us. And so we accept two songs from them. And we go, and me and Alan, we fly to Philly to record the songs. And when we get there, they got a new song, Mama Sita, mm. that they wrote especially for us after meeting us and stuff. Okay. So um, 
when we got there, we went there to cut a song, and I like that. It's a song called Like That on the first. Oh, that's that's the that's y'all should have released that as a single. <laughs> yeah, that was one of our song, little Avert song, man. I'm yeah. a prisoner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, when we got there, we cut that. The next day, we got up and went to Philly Philly Sound to record. The next day, Sigma, Sigma yeah. Sound, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did, like, how was that, man? Like, let me stop you for a second, brother. How was that recording in the legendary Sigma Sound Studios, man? Like, how was that now? Because was that y'all, you guys' first time recording in like a real, real studio? Uh, no, it was. Uh, we we had recorded other songs. Okay, but we hadn't had a. We hadn't got that single yet. You know what okay. I'm saying? Okay, we hadn't had that single yet. So the energy in Philly in that studio was amazing, man. It was just absolutely amazing to be in there with all the legends have been recording and stuff, man. So, and me and Alan, we embraced it. We were ready, man. We embraced all that energy. And a funny story, when we started recording, I was so nervous to be there because Gerald and Eddie, they're aggressive. You know, these, they're like my, you know, you know, your but, uncle, you know, your, thing, you guys are all around the same. They, 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 they're not that much older than you. But it, we, you, you couldn't tell because they were so seasoned and so. Yeah. Bird was just so music industry, you know, and yeah. you couldn't tell he was just a few years older than me. But, uh, you know, they were aggressive, and and Alan was so seasoned already as a singer, just on his own. He was so seasoned. When they put Alan in the booth, he's just knocking that shit out. They're screaming. They're going. <laughs> oh, I'm my my little. Uh, half singing self in and get in there. Yo, stop it, stop it. You're being modest, uh, Steve. Stop it, stop it. Brother. I'm telling you, man, that's how I was, man. I'm telling you, that's how I feel. Well, it didn't come out that way on them, on them records, brother, because you was a singing mofo on them records, brother. Well, by the time, by the time Gerald finished beating me up and telling me to quit being so <laughs> stiff and have some emotion, <laughs> Eddie Levert came in the booth with headphones with me. Eddie Levert was in the booth with me. Wow edging me to give expression on the mic you, you know yeah yeah so, and and that's how mama sita came and i finally ended you may me i finally ended oh, happy. So, I never, oh my bad, my bad. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, i'm sorry you take you taking me back take me back go ahead brother you know and like I said, Alan, he came in and he just so sweet. He just knocked his shit out just so perfect. Hey, brother, y'all killed. Like that song dominated. Man. 88, 80. Like that song, that song dominated. Like here in DC, I can't, I ain't never leave DC at that time. But I know here in DC, that song dominated that year. You could yeah. not go anywhere without a car blasting Mama Cedar, without yeah. anyone blasting that, that whole entire true project man. Had, it, a lot of people thought it was Levert at first so it just it, they had a distinctive sound one thing I, you know they, they had a very distinctive sound would you would you would you guys consider what you what you did was uh you know like new jack swing yes no question because the whole concept of mama sita is nothing but keep sweat i want him same thing oh shit okay okay that swing um 
But Gerald Levert is singing all the backgrounds because at this time he's so radio. He knew that if he's singing on this song, we were radio. And, and like you said, we end up with a number one record. And um, we and, and in the interim of us recording our album, we were following and chasing Babyface in L.A. all over L.A. We used to pop up in studios on Babyface in L.A. <laughs> we were just going to show up so much. Yeah had to work with us you know but they never did in those early days they didn't touch us but they respected us because when they came out with don't be cruel mama seat and don't be cruel was like this yeah and it was yeah we on their ass and la reed told me he was like man y'all on our ass man that's the thing man people don't people the people that know they know but you guys was there you guys was like you guys was right along with them like they, those guys new edition and bobby brown and we were the, there. Whatever. They were not above you guys. Levert, they was like, you guys were like right with the with, with the best man. So how did that feel, man, just knowing two years ago or three, a few years ago, man, you guys are just singing in talent shows for, for pretty much nothing. And now you're on Atlantic Records, the same record label with Levert, working with uh, Gerald Levert, Mark Gordon in the studio, man. How was how was that? Talk about that. It was unbelievable, man, to, to dream and want something so bad for your life to be so, to want your life to be different than what you've grown up around. It was, it was, it was surreal for us to, to be in the company of Eddie Levert from the OJs. I love the OJs. They're part of my DNA. That's all my parents. It's like food. That's mm. all. I, that's all I know is the OJs and the whispers and stuff. So, by the time I was a Levert fan and it was his son, I was just like outdone, like wow. <laughs> so to become to to work with him was one thing, but then for Gerald Levert to just adopt me as his little brother. Talk man. about that, man, because you know Gerald Levert. I tell a lot of people, man. If anybody like it, like I hear you uh, speaking on Gerald Levert, man. Gerald Levert to me, he is my favorite art singer. Of my of my lifetime since I came into the world, he was Gerald is, is to to me he's he's number one. And yeah, talk to me. Talk, I want I want you to talk a little bit about like how was it working with Gerald, man? What made him so unique? What made him so special? His 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 organicness and his truth as an artist. He comes from Eddie Levert. And if you know Eddie Levert, if you've seen Eddie Levert perform at any time, when I say the organicness of his father, okay. his father reincarnate, but he was Gerald and he had the real artist essence. It wasn't, mm. someone, it wasn't someone attempting to be an artist right. trying to be something. He was Gerald Levert. Yeah. And I don't know if that explains it, but he was a star. He was a super producer, songwriter. He was everything, and he had the confidence to go along with it. So to be working with Joe Levert, being an only child and a dreamer, and loving him to death, you know, when <laughs> we first met him, we were at the hotel, and we were sitting on the couch like this, and he came, and when it was time for him to show us the song, he was in our face, sitting in the table in our face. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> you know, and I'm like, damn, man, I'm like, dang, that's a real human, you know. Yeah, yeah. like he like he was like like I know me, I used to look at him, man, and along with you guys, but you guys was like superheroes to me, man. 
Like and, and you know, like that Casanova, that whole uh that throwdown album was nuts. So but I'm next, saying, next thing you know, you guys coming out like eight months later. Yep. Yep. Um, but working with Gerald, man, it was uh it was fueling, he invested his energy and his soul into us. And then personally, uh he saw that I really wanted to be a writer and producer and he was impressed by that mm -hmm. and when he saw that i had a talent as a, as a writer he just like grabbed me by the head like a headlock you know um and he took me under his wing man and he taught me about publishing mechanical royalties mm. uh i was out in ohio with him a lot while he was working in the studio and stuff it was like he wanted to mentor me him and chucky booker at the same time okay and Chucky Booker, he did uh, My Heart on that. Uh, yes, he did My, my Heart. Project. Yep. And he did My Heart and She's My Favorite Girl. He produced that as well. Okay. And um, these guys were mentoring me, uh, unbeknownst to me, knowing what I was going to become as a writer. I didn't know. Right. But uh, Gerald Levert took it upon himself to um, be the big brother, father brother I never had. He, he took it upon himself <laughs> to, to okay in my life and until the day he transitioned he was that big brother the, the advisor the round table mm -hmm. cuss you out if he's mad at you and you don't <laughs> tell you know i'm saying for real yeah you know, um I I, hey, I, I, i've heard stories man gerald they say he ain't play he's tough he was with he was with the shits he was with the smoke <laughs> 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 Gerald wanted all the smoke and I respected him. You know, I loved it because we were from the you know. Yeah. So to see somebody that's a star still with the business and like a real uh, you know, what no phony fake Hollywood type yeah. it wasn't a bad thing with him. That's what that's what made me love him and admire him so much. Him and his dad was so human and so real. Mm. So like I said, they were like my uncles, you know, it was like, damn, you know, these guys are tough. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, and, From the, and, main, the main streets of Shaker Heights. <laughs> they, that tough love was going to develop us into something great. They knew, Gerald knew by him being tough with me, I was going to end up being something great. And he knew it. He told me before I ever wrote, before I had any big records, he was telling me, you're going to be great, man. You're going to be great. You just got to quit bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> I, can hear, I can hear him saying that. that shit. You got to quit bullshitting, <laughs> you know? So, it, it was wonderful working with them, man, because, you know, when you're a dreamer, man, and you all of a sudden are walking in the shoes that you've imagined and when you're in the bathroom, right. now you're walking in those shoes. It's like now you're in the fantasy of it. Like, oh, shit. it's like you don't even realize it's real, but it's really, really real. You know, and when we finished recording up in Philly, you know, our album was finished. Those were the last two songs we did was I Like That and Mama Sita. And remember Mama Sita, nobody heard that. Right. So by the time we finished singing Mama Sita, they was calling Sylvia and Merlin on the phone. Oh, new singer. No, Merlin was with us. And it was like, new singer. We got our first single. We got our single. So it was you just- You talking about Mer Merlin Bob. Merlin Bob, rest in peace. Yes, sir. Oh, like, shoot. I had no idea he transitioned. Transitioned a while ago. And, um, and and the rest was history for that first album, man. You know, and you know, New Edition was our focus. And you know, me and Ralph, you know, I, I'm friends with all of them, but me and Ralph are really tight. Okay. And they told me when Troop came out, they had a Troop meeting. Brother, 
I'm gonna be honest. Ben, okay, okay. I gotta stop you, brother. I would not be who I am if I did not ask you this question, baby. Because a lot of folks, man, here again, man, you guys are legends here and and abroad. But we always wanted to know, man, was there ever like any tension between you and New Edition? Because you guys was not only were you guys close in age. But you guys were close, and were, were, were you guys would share the same lane. You were very different. Yeah, you shared two lead singers. You know, unlike New Edition, who Ralph pretty much did majority of the leads. But you guys, you guys had, you know, you guys shared the same lane. So was there any tension? You know, I ain't trying to start, you know, start anything or anything like that. But Michael Bivens came off kind of funny when. You know, you know, we they used to have BRE BRE conventions back in the day. You know, they debut groups, so we were debuting at the BRE in uh in uh um Century City or Holly in Hollywood somewhere. Okay, Michael Pippins, you know, he was he, you know, y'all got the Cleveland look. You know, he was trying to. What that supposed to mean? What that supposed to mean? Because we had curls and shit. He was just trying to be, you know, he Michael Bibb was kind of funny acting sometimes. <laughs> not not in a bad way. No, I, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Because he's just funny like that. Yeah. Thick shit. You get what I'm saying? Because he's yeah. doing. Get what I'm saying? He's Mike Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, six months after that, when we was number one on that ass, it was a yeah, story. yeah, yeah. But um, there was never any tension between us and New Edition. Um, but they wouldn't touch us. You would never see a troop in New Edition show ever. I always wondered that. Like, I never, because I, I went to see both of you guys back in the day. They but I wondered, like, why we can't never get you guys on the same bill? It would have been, it's enough, it's enough sunshine for everybody. It would have been, it would have been historical for a, a group like New Edition that made a group like True. We're, we're New Edition babies. New Edition birthed True. You know, um, you guys were so different though. Like you got, like I said, you guys shared the same lane. It was on was, purpose. Okay. You know, my, my whole thing, like everybody was new edition crazy, but I come from the streets and I come from street dancing. So I wasn't with the temptation. I wasn't with, I love new edition doing it. <laughs> got to understand the respect. I love new edition doing it, but for me, I'm not doing that. And I told the guys, I'm not dancing like new edition period. That's no. over. Hey and man, I remember. So, we start challenging each other with whatever best dances each of us did individually. We start making that our choreography, and that's what gave us our edge is we stayed to the streets with our choreography, but we made sure that we were on a dime like New Edition. We had to be just as in sync as New Edition, period. New Edition was our foundation. Now, did you guys have a, did you guys have a choreographer, or you, you guys did all your choreography? We did all our own shit. Wow. Only time we got choreographers was when we got on the the uh got ready to do videos and we wanted to get a certain dance style because we we were always into doing street jazz. We wanted to mix all of the dances. Yeah, yeah. Like you watch a troop video, you would see hip hop, modern dance, yeah. jazz shit. Yeah. But the way we do it, we put it together like some street shit, but it's yeah, all- yeah, yeah. So- we brought choreographers in to be the third eye to help us arrange how it looks. So, um, but but the majority of our choreography, the start of Troop doing anything was me and Rodney. Okay. Once I got Rodney on board away from the new edition shit, I couldn't stop him. He he, 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 he was just amazing. And I would always, I'm one of those guys, if you're writing a book, I'm yeah. going to have 
something to add to the book. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so look, so look, Steve. If I had, if if we had to, if if, if there was a dance off between you and New Edition, like who would who 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 would win? Honestly. Oh, um, you mean just on just on style? You know. I, I, I bet I put my. I don't have no weaknesses, man. See, I'm gonna be honest. I, I hate. Go ahead. I, go ahead. Answer this, please. please. I put my money on truth because we're edgy and we're. It's just we we were just edgy and I like that more. But new edition was so amazing. Ronnie DeVoe is so amazing at that shit that they do. It's they like weak link. they got a weak link. Who you think? From my city, man, from my hometown, Johnny. Man. Johnny. <laughs> but Johnny did good, though. Yeah, he did, he did, he did. But yo, know, you compared Johnny to the maybe the weakest link in your group, which y'all had. Y'all didn't have uh, none. We didn't have a weak link when it came. I didn't have a weak link. That's what I'm saying. So I it love Johnny. Johnny is my favorite new edition member. He from the he from the crib, but come on, true. He wasn't fucking with true. We were running circles over through Johnny. Stop it. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm like okay, let's 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 talk. Let's talk it. Like, come on, man. Yeah, it <laughs> you don't want that smoke. Comparison to it wasn't no comparison when it came to the edge of it. Yeah. You know, um, what's your like, your favorite performance? My favorite performance was "I'm Not Suit," the song I wrote. Um, I love that song. Hall, Arsenio Hall. Family. I was just about to hey, hey, talk about how. Please, hey Steve, tell me because we tried to practice. We practiced when I was in junior high school. That move when you got on the floor and did the, yo, tell me how y'all came up with that, brother. Please, man. Because it took us a week to, to learn that, brother. Well, I, you know, I grew up dancing against people. When you're a pop locker, you, you, you get used to dancing against people and you get used to doing things that take you over the edge as a competitor against somebody. So I never lost that. So I knew what we could do to outshine new addition as far as dancing. I just, I knew it already. Cause I've already danced. Couldn't touch up. Couldn't touch I, up. I've already danced against so many people in my life. I would tell the guys, we need to do this. We need to do this. Mm. You know, I know how to beat you when it comes <laughs> to shit like that. So, uh, 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 the Arsenio, what happened was, um, I wrote this song. I had to lie to the group for us even to get that song. I was so busy. And I was doing so much that the group started hating on me getting so much shit accomplished as a writer. <laughs> so I lied when I did, when me and Zach Harmon did I'm Not Soup, I lied and told them that Joyce Irby and Dallas did it. And oh I, my I goodness. I said, I just did the rough of it, but this is Dallas and Joyce's song. And the whole group was like, oh, okay, that's dope, that's dope. So I'm like, uh -huh, good. Now we, we, let, let, me, let me slow it down because I want the people to know we on, we on album number two. We on the Attitude <laughs> Project. First single for the second album. Let's talk about it. So continue, continue. So this, this is my my first song. Uh, I have no idea what Sylvia's response is going to be, but when Sylvia gets the record, she goes nuts. She calls and say, "We got the first single, baby." And I'm like, into myself, get the get out of here, no way. <laughs> you know, this is my song. You know, so hold on, hold on. So how who chooses like what goes? Who chooses the singles? How does that work? That's I just told you. Sylvia called and said we got the first single. <laughs> now, now I got now that song I believe went to number thirteen, if I'm not mistaken. Five. Number. I it is. 
top five record. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I man, I, I apologize. I know, I know that was one of my favorites. So I think it should have been higher than number five, but yeah, that, that goes without saying. We had the least top ten with that. That was my first top ten record as a writer. Okay. Um, and you know, Arsenio, we watching Arsenio just like fans and everybody else, yeah. and he starts talking about, hey man, I saw this video today. Hey Sandy, play this video. Then you said, hey, hey Steve, you said just like him. He started playing a video on TV, and he said, man, I almost broke my ankle doing this. And man, we got to get these dudes on the show. So he's saying this on TV. So anyway, we're on tour right now. We're on tour with Keith Sweat and all these yeah. guys. And the record company calls and says, Arsenio uh, wants you guys on the show. Okay. So once he said yes, Arsenio started doing a countdown to Troop. Wow. Every night, he'd say, Give me the poster, Sandy. And he would put our posters up <laughs> hours till truth. And they would count how many days and hours until truth, bro. And listen, and when we came on that show to do I'm Not Soup, man, when I tell you I have yet to regain that same energetic frequency to this day, the energy that we experienced that night. Talk about it was unmatched, man. Uh, it was like our feet, it's like we were floating off the ground. We were so think energetically. Yeah. There was no mistakes that could be made. It was just one of those nights and new addition came to the show, including Bobby Brown. They all came and uh, uh, we didn't know they were coming. You get what I'm saying? We just yeah, doing, yeah. like like they must they must saw they they must you know they must watch Arsenio too. Huh? They must watch Arsenio too, watching that countdown. Dang, I can't hear you. Yeah, they they watch the countdown for sure. They okay. definitely watch the countdown. They definitely yes, because they were there. And Bobby Brown helped host the show. Bobby Brown is the one that introduced Troop. The, one of the hottest groups on the West Coast, Troop, you know what I'm saying? Bobby brought us on. So anyway, uh, we did an absolutely amazing performance, a flawless performance that should go down in group performance history in my book. And New Edition and Bobby Brown gave us so much respect and love. Now we didn't know we had so much influence that they were getting ready to become a hip hop group. I didn't, we didn't know they was gonna break up and BBD getting ready to be a, a, a troop DD, right. you know? And we didn't know that. But they came out, they showed us so much love, man. And from there, we just skyrocketed from Arsenio promoting us like that. Um, we went on to a song called Spread My Wings that I begged Chucky for. My group don't even realize what I went through for us to get that song. <laughs> um, we, and just like I thought, just like I knew, it was a number one hit record. And and once we got to Spread My Wings, it was over. You know, we, we stepped in choreography. Yeah, yeah. We just, we, we really wanted to set the tone for the next group coming. We didn't mean to shut them down like we did with Boys to Men and Jodeci and just stop guys from dancing. We didn't want to do that. Yeah. We wanted guys to step it up and just really turn it into something else. But I guess, you know, shit, Jodeci said, man, we ain't finna do none of that shit, bro. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. now, now, Steve. We gonna now, turn Steve. our hats back, sag our pants, and we gonna get it like that. And they, it was just phenomenal. Now, Steve. 
Now, is that the reason why you guys followed up the new edition album with, you know, followed up, uh, follow, follow that new edition album up with your, uh, the troop album. Could you hear me with the attitude album? With the, Cause you, cause you came up the next year, like new edition drop, drop heartbreak and y'all didn't waste no time. Y'all came back. Boom! <laughs> yeah, y'all wasted no time. No time because now we was on a mission, man. We wanted to have, we wanted to have the same kind of footing in this industry that New Edition had. Of course, we never planned for our career to be so short, but our whole goal was to get songs that would last forever. We wanted to accomplish that. <laughs> yes, we wanted to. We wanted to accomplish um, being etched in the 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 stone of the music business you know you, you if you mention groups you got to mention true got to gotta mention true we wanted that in our lives and we accomplished it man and we got a lot of respect from Bobby Brown you know Bobby Brown was the biggest thing on the planet facts and facts Bobby Brown he 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 was on our shit man <laughs> loved us man Bobby Brown was, it's the only group I ever wanted to be in cuz he yeah. loved we was <laughs> so, look, so look, so look, Steve. I always wanted to ask you this: um, when you guys did "All I Do," did you guys realize that uh, the Jackson Five covered that? Have you guys heard of that song before you guys recorded it? Um, well, talk I, about it. I was a huge Jackson Five fan, so when I didn't know the song, I knew it was perfect for Troop to do. When oh, I, okay. I, when John John brought me that song, and this was in 1987, John John brought me the song. Okay. John John make me tapes with songs on it, and he loved giving me songs I don't know because I thought I knew everything. Now so, let me let me stop you for the fans. So what Mr. Russell with the with the, with with the legend with the OG is talking about is all I do. It was originally uh, came out on the Jackson Five moving. Violations album from 1975. That's the song that we're talking about right now. So continue, yes. brother. And there's an album cut. So John John played me the song, and it was the first time I heard the Jacksons like on some shy lights type stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, damn, that's that was, I was blown away. So me and Chucky got together on the four track and we demoed it and submitted it for the first album, and Sylvia said no. So when it came time for us to record the second album, we, we recorded it and me and Chucky, we submitted it again. And she said, yeah, this time. And the rest is history. The rest is history. Another Nobody number one. Another one. number one. People front like they knew it was the Jacksons. Oh, I like the Jacksons. Yeah, right. Nobody knew that was the Jacksons. Before. That, that, that song was like a minor hit. I don't even think. Wasn't it, a hit? It wasn't. I don't think it even ranked in the top 50. It didn't. They released it, but it, it didn't do good for it. It didn't do nothing. It did nothing. Nothing. And I and I'm admit I never heard of the song until you guys dropped it. I heard theirs later. Right. A lot of people, most eighty percent of people had no idea that that was a Jackson Five song. And praise, thank God for Michael's performance on it because that's the only way that I was able to perform it. You know, but nobody knew, man. Nobody knew that it was a Jackson song, and we were on tour. Spread My Wings was number one. We wanted to take Spread My Wings much, much further, but radio started jumping on All I Do Is Think Of You, and we had to do the video and switch up and do that. Yeah. 
And to this day, all I do is think of you is getting played on the radio right now. Hold up. Not just that, man. Spread my wings. Because those songs, come, they come on back to back. They come out back come to back. Breakfast back to back, man. Yeah. Um, biggest tours on the planet. We was on tour with MC Hammer at that time, man. Killing it. Yeah. Um, it was just surreal, man. I mean, we had hits back to back to back. Truth now, me. now. We now, came out. It's running, man. Now, Steve. So now, you know, that, like we didn't mention that that first album went gold and it produced two top five hits, you know, uh, uh, two top five hits. Now we got the Attitude Project. You got two number ones. It also goes gold. How did your life, did your life change? Because we hear a lot of different stories about the music business, but how did you guys' life change after that second album? We were... Uh... We were super celebrities, man. We were household names. We was on tour making hundreds of thousands of dollars on the road. I mean, our lives changed tremendously. We, we no longer were worried about bills and stuff, you know. We weren't businessmen at the time, so there was a lot of money that we were missing. But just for, what, for where we were, mm -hmm. life was beautiful. You know, we were living of our suitcases on the road reggie was the first one to buy a house and alan bought a house what was um, your first what was your, what was your first big purchase um i don't i never did do any first big purchase i think the first big purchase that i got finally was a, a bmw um rest in peace to my buddy uh blackberry who just passed the other day he was the guy that i bought my car from i had a seven 80 or seven uh i had one of those big bmws okay i i personally i was in the studio mm -hmm. from the time we got our record deal i stayed in the studio even on the road when we got into a new town i was booking studios had the band members all in my room i was a studio rat so i didn't plan my life out like the way my mom set me up to do it I became a studio rat, so I spent all of my life recording records. Mm. There were no purchases and anything, you know, it was just making sure everybody right. had what they needed, you know? Okay. And um, I, I stayed in the studio the entire time, but uh, other guys in the group made purchases, you know, they were, you know, they, they come from big homes and stuff like that, a couple of the guys. Right. So right back into the energy they came from me you know it's <laughs> always me and my mom so as long as we had money i felt like we would be okay and eventually you know in my mind getting a house meant you have to have all the money right there to get it and you want to buy mom this million dollar house right so i got that million dollars to buy my mom a house i didn't you get what i'm saying mm. silly but that's you know when you're immature and you don't know any better right you know, I didn't realize you planned that kind of stuff out, you know. Okay. Okay. So, um, I never did any big purchasing, man. I did a lot of big spending, but I never did do any big purchasing as a young, immature artist. Okay. okay. That part, you know. Now, um, I want to, I want to, um, I want to talk about uh, that. I want to talk a little bit more about that, that uh, attitude project because we forgot to mention this. A lot of folks may not remember, but you guys also had a few, uh, quite a few songs written by the legend Dallas Austin. No question. So talk, talk about that, man. Talk about your relationship with Dallas Austin. 
Well, Dallas was just an 18-year-old kid, man, fresh, fresh out the uh, uh, out of somebody's uh, bedroom creating beats, and Joyce was smart enough to sign him. And um, now, this the Joyce that you talk about for the fans who may not know is Joyce Irby from the band Climax. I miss you. I miss you. Yeah, meeting in the ladies' room. Yes. Yeah. So Joyce so, Irby, yeah. Joyce Irby, and Dallas. Um, my whole take on the coming into the Attitude album, I didn't want to, I wanted us to have, I wanted us to be more like Guy, to be honest. I wanted mm -hmm. us to have a more, I wanted our dance, our music. You to wanted some of that, that uptown, that uptown flavor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, Joyce Irby came and, she, you know, she submitted a couple of tracks and I don't think we used those tracks, but I went crazy. Crazy! I was like, this is it. This is the guy we need. So anyway, Dallas and Joyce, um, they did my music. I will always love you. Um, my favorite song on that uh, project. I, I got to say that. That's my, that's my favorite song on it. But go ahead. Get out of here. Man, what are you so, man, that, I don't know why that wasn't higher. Man, I when we went to Japan, do you know I used to do that song for an hour in Japan? Brother, that song is a bona fide clan. They used to play that on a late night in, uh, here in D.C. Um, Kevin Slow Jamming James on WKYS. He used to play that every night, man. And I never used to wonder, like, how come I don't hear that more, especially during the daytime? He used to always play it at night. Yep. It was, it, we, we never did release it as a single. Um, and shout out to John John on the vocals, too, man. You and Alan, y'all kill. Yeah. But John John, he do that whole... Uh, uh, you know, it, yeah, he do that whole uh, Johnny Gill thing, man. He ki he kills that, man. Shout out to John John, man. Shout out to Jay Jonah, man. Yep. Uh, uh, and and it was Joyce and Dallas. They came through with the nuggets that we needed to complement mm -hmm. where we were headed, where we were uh, anticipating going as artists. You know, um, with Chucky Booker and Gerald Avert coming again. Um, all we needed was those up tempos like that and you notice boys to men came right back with our right <laughs> really nothing but our song no that's doubt it. no doubt people don't know that yeah because dallas austin writes that he, he writes that whole album that's true that's, that's true I, I knew it i knew it i heard now i heard it from the horse's mouth i knew it okay. i had a feeling yeah they got us michael bivens came right behind true to get his group hot you feel me that damn Michael Bivens again. <laughs> Dallas was he he got with Dallas and Dallas started producing all of his stuff. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, you know we had Dallas first and we did all that. And uh, you guys also had Chucky, if I'm not mistaken. Like as far as Chucky, him having songs on the radio, like I don't like I don't remember him having those songs on the radio before True. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Turned away was the biggest record on the planet. Yeah, but I'm saying, but 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 as far as producing songs for artists on the radio, that makes oh, oh it, other artists, other yeah, artists. Yeah, the the production that he had done, he hadn't had success. That's what I'm like, saying. That's what I'm saying. Like we, chart, you guys gave him chart success. Yes, big time. That's all I'm saying. Hey, Chucky produced our two biggest records. No doubt, no doubt. Things and all I do is think of you. If it wasn't for Chucky, I don't know if we would have that energy that we have because he's such he's so brilliant. Another genius. Uh, yeah, and big shout out to my big bro Chucky. If it wasn't for him, 
we wouldn't have had that. No doubt, no doubt. So look, so here we go. We go fast forward to 1991. You know, you guys are torn all over the all over the country, all over the world. 1991 comes, man, and you guys make an appearance in one of my favorite movies of all time, the New Jack City soundtrack, and you get a feature, a cameo appearance in a movie. So talk about that. Walk me through that, man. How was that like getting that call, man, to be in this Mario Van Peebles movie, it, man? It was amazing. We were on tour. We were on tour, and... um. Um, oh, John, what's his name? Dang it. I, I forgot the producer's name, man. Dang. Anyway, the producer of the film reached out to us because uh, Mario wanted us in the film and he mm -hmm. wanted Bert as well. So we got the call and we accepted it. And Gerald Levert called me right away telling me what it, you know, what we had to do and all that stuff. Uh, it was surreal. And when we, 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 we left the road, we went to New York. Um, we got to see a couple scenes of the film, what they had shot, some of it, what they had shot. And, you know, when it was time for us to shoot, you know, of course, we had to go in the studio first and record our 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 version. Laverne had already did theirs. OK, so um, I actually had Gerald on the phone helping me produce our acapella thing that we did, you know, just getting it. You know, I didn't know what to do. You right. Know? Gerald LeVert kind of over the phone was leading me and telling me how to get it cracking and what we needed to do. And we finally yeah. got it done. And man, when we got to shoot, man, they had the big cranes out there. We was acting <laughs> movie, man, you know? It was surreal, man. It, it was surreal. I'll tell you, man, what I've experienced in my life, man, is is it's it's worth living for, man. You know, any downtime, any disappointing times in your life yeah. to experience the bliss of walking and existing in what you dream of right right it's all worth it it was amazing shooting that movie man and then it turns out to be a classic like a classic. that did you ever did you ever feel like when they, when you guys were shooting the movie matter of fact when you saw the movie and during the time that you were shooting it did you ever realize like that movie was going to go down to, to be the classic that it was no idea who knows who knew all i do is think it was going to be as big as it is to this day that's I did. <laughs> we just want the girls to like. Us. Yeah. The girls love us. And Man, the, the girls, love us. Hey, hey, Steve. When we used to lip sync y'all songs back in uh, junior high school, the girls loved us. So I can only imagine. You get it. So, so those songs, man. I they they unlike, and I hate to say that, but a lot of the music back then, man. I, you know what? I I I I, I agree, man. That like I. We never realize when you're living in that moment, you think it's going to always be like that. Yeah, and it's I always thought like it's just going to be great music consistently coming out there like that, man. So, as far as troop, you guys gave us that. So, I wanna, I wanna fast forward, man. We gonna go to 1992. Okay. Now, now this project right here, the deeper project. To those who don't know. <laughs> Yeah, this is a deeper project. I, I had this. I, I I I had that. Um, original on vinyl. But um, so this particular project, man, you guys went to a whip. I'm listening. Okay, yeah, you guys, you guys kind of took it into another direction. You guys, you know, you guys are a little bit older, and this album to me sounds more like a concept album. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> It sounds a little bit more like a concept album, and you write probably like I'm. 
like damn near eighty percent of of the songs on the, on the on the on the album. So ninety. Not yeah, you're you're on thirteen out of fifteen songs on it. Let's just put it like that. So and I yeah. produced all of them. And you produced all you produced all of them. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, man. People might call me crazy, but this is my favorite troop album, brother. You know, and I'm a th- Yo, this is my favorite troop album from from begin from beginning to end. There's no drop off. And I'm gonna tell you something crazy, man. This is gonna shock you. I put all of what I had as a soul into that album. I can tell. Um, coming up, you know, I wanted I to be like Gerald LaVert and wanted to be like Chucky and Teddy Riley. I, this was the beginning of that for me. And I put everything that I had into it. And at the same time, on the business side of things, things were changing. Mm, now, about- mind you, we don't know the business, right? Right. We're just learning it. Mm-hmm. So um when the situation with atlantic went sour the deeper album suffered now why did the atlantic sit because you know i remember when that album dropped and i couldn't i mean to us it looked like i remember when sweet november dropped man it seemed like number one well another another number one song and it looked like it was looked like business as usual true just putting out fire sylvia i had uh an amazing love relationship with Sylvia, very genuine, loving relationship with her. And she, what was so special about Sylvia Rhoda? I hear a lot of people say a lot of good things about her. Of course, people gonna say some negative things, but yeah. for the most part, man, I hear a lot of good things. What, what was special about Sylvia? She knew what she wanted. She was dead serious. She was not no joke. She was not about the bullshit. Mm-hmm. She she liked what she liked, but she was pliable still. She still, she didn't take her power and dominate you to the point where you mm-hmm. couldn't breathe all the way. She allowed you to come up for some air sometime so that you could breathe as well. And that's what's so special about mm-hmm. her. She knew what she wanted for her project, but she trusted that you knew too. So mm-hmm. when I, when um, what happened with that situation we found out that we were signed to our management as a production company and we weren't signed directly with Atlantic. Oh, now, it kind of, hold up, hold up, real quick, real quick. Was it, is it kind of similar to like the new edition thing, like on the movie? It's business, like it's business, it's business as usual, nothing different. But when you don't know it, you're all shocked and you think somebody's cheating you and you think you go through all these antics, but this is the business. You gotta take your, you gotta take your initiate. You know how you get jumped into a gang? Get your lumps, gotta take <laughs> you your gotta lumps. You gotta get your lumps. Gotta get and your we lumps. we didn't want any lumps. We didn't want any lumps. So what we did was, um, I produced a song on the whispers before Troop ever went gold. I produced a song on the whispers. I was working on a troop. I was working on troop music, and the whispers were in the same studio. Mm-hmm. Scotty came by and heard some music. He brought the whole band in. Long story short, they paid me to produce and write a song for their album on the More of the Night album, and their album mm-hmm. went gold. That was a dope so, album too. While we're on tour with Hammer. Uh, Hammer has a label and his brother is man and Louis Burrell is managing the label and all the artists mm-hmm. and Louis Burrell catches wind of Steve Russell from Troop as a producer, you know, because he wasn't fond of Troop. Now, so, now correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. Now, 
Again, man, I'm, I'm a diehard True fan, but I don't. Did you produce on the uh, Attitude album? Because I know you wrote some songs on there, but did yes, you I produced a song called Another Lover on the Attitude album. Okay. There's okay. A, the, the first song that I produced on True was a song called Another Lover. Okay. Okay. I know. I know the song. I just did, I forgot. I, didn't, I forgot. Yep. That you produced on. I, I produced that with Zach Harmon, and um, um, what was I talking about? Um, you was talking about the uh, uh, the more tonight with um, oh, okay, the, uh, whispers the whispers. So we were on tour with Hammer, and um, I had heard when we were negotiating to get on the tour with Hammer, I heard Louis Burrell on the speakerphone in my manager's office talking pretty shitty about Troop and what we didn't deserve as far as money, and of course that's business too. But I took it personal. Mm. So when we were on tour. You know, everybody, every so often, somebody was saying, hey, man, Louis Burrell is looking for you. And in my mind, I'm like, fuck him. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to talk to that nigga, period. And I meant it. You get what I'm saying? We're going to get on here and fuck Hammer up every night. Do yeah. Our best, do our best to. You get what yeah. I'm saying? Man, Hammer was tough, though. Oh, it's tough. It it's tough. tough. But, boy, there were certain cities where you read the paper the next day and they were talking about Troop Salvage in the show. How about that? Hey, I'm not surprised. With half the speakers, half the lights, and all that. We was kicking ass. So anyway, Hammer's the best. Anyway, Louis Burrell was looking for me, and I was ignoring him. So finally, he ran up and caught me on tour, man. And he was like, yo, man, man, why you, man, you know? And he was a nice guy. I was like, because yeah. I, I had an attitude. I, I had an attitude with him, I'm telling you, man. Yeah. So when I... <laughs> When he walked in my face and was talking to me, you know, I, I, he he kind of let my guard down and I'm talking and he's a nice guy. Right. So me and Lewis become buddies and Lewis Burrell starts. He was totally uninterested in truth. When Lewis Burrell came, because people think that Lewis Burrell came and he's the reason Troop got messed up because he was and it, it wasn't like that. I thought that. I'll he be, had I, Lewis I, Burrell. That's what I heard. I'm Lewis glad you cleared it. Let's clear, let's clear that up. Let's clear that up. Come Lewis on. Burrell had a troop, special generation. He wanted the Coming lead up. singer of troop to produce his group to get them the way he wanted them. So he that. hired me to not only produce special generation, but BNGB, Oak Town. He wanted, he Three, wanted, five, music. Seven. <laughs> he wanted music from Steve yeah. on all of his artists. Yeah. He, he yeah. loved me as a writer and a producer. Um, and that was his focus. So okay. I started making, uh, and, and see one thing about Louis Burrell that I loved, and this is why we're friends to this day. Okay. He's the only person that has ever respected me from beginning to end when it came to business. He never tried to shortchange me to get songs for his group. If I told him I wanted 30 grand, he paid me 30 grand a song. That's what's he up. And, uh, so coming from truth, sharing everything, to all of a sudden now I'm getting new BMWs and got a lot of money. Alan is looking at this shit like, yo, this nigga finna run off and take off and you know. So Alan reached out to Lewis for Troop. Alan reached out to Lewis and talk, told him about how unhappy we were and blah, blah, blah. So that's when Lewis said, okay, you know, maybe I will mess with them on the management tip. You get what I'm saying? Help them get real money and all that. and. At this time, we were performing and doing so great and we're watching everybody around us be rich and we're still sweating like slaves. 
we wanted a change, but this is artists. This is the artist mentality now okay. that I'm talking okay. about. This is the okay. artist mentality that I'm in at the time. We wanted things to be better. We're number one on the charts, biggest tour on the world, traveling every, you know, but we wanted more. Artist mentality. So anyway. And you're writing songs. You're writing them. So like you're writing the songs, like all the songs, damn near. I'm getting, I'm, life is lovely, but we're unhappy, right? So uh, when we found out that we weren't signed directly to Atlantic, everything started to spiral out of control. And before we decided to leave our management, we went to them, me and Alan, we went and met with them in good faith, like, hey, man, you know, we love you guys. We're not tripping. We don't want no problems. We just want you guys are getting 50% of our publishing and you guys don't even you guys don't even shop the songs to help us get placements. You're just, you know, you're getting 50% of whatever I do and we didn't like it. So when we went and we approached them like that, let's just make it where it's fair. You know, we know you guys should get something because this is your baby and all that, right, right. but make it where it's fair. David Cook, the same guy that came to Pasadena and got us, told us to read your contract. And when he said read his, when he looked at me and Alan and told us to read our contract, it was over. We didn't fuck with them no more. It was done and over with. We got with Louis Burrell. Alan called Louis. Louis met with us. Uh, we And this is how, this is what hurt us. Uh, the, the original management put an injunction against us to stop us from working. And um, so, so that's what happened. That's what happened. That's why I knew it. That's why Boys to Men and Jody C was able they, to come in so clean because we were we were in litigation. I was wondering because I yeah. remember, like I said, that deeper project to me, and I know a couple of other people. Man, that project was you was you you was you guys' best project in my opinion. I, I heard it. And, go ahead. And you had a number one, and you had another uh, a number one, but from beginning to end, man, you guys gave us everything on that project wow. and not even just musically brother you're singing man thanks your man. voice man your voice brother you really brought I was it growing forward. i was growing you know i was getting you, better and better you know you was you grew into this artist man that really like your, 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 your the uniqueness of your tone i was ready, and man. I was ready. you was ready man again. you, you was come up again hey listen <laughs> this one right here brother he was this ready right man. here i'm trying to tell y'all y'all need to go ahead and get it it's on amazon itunes it's it's it's, yeah. it's a dope project. They gotta get yeah, get make sure you guys download Deeper Revisited. It's the new version of the Deep album with a couple new songs on it. Deeper Revisited. Okay. Okay. Download it now. So anyway, I was telling you about the Deeper album. I, I'm making it too drawn out. So let me hurry up. This is how no, I no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So while we were in litigation, Louis Burrell locked me away to do that album. So by the time we got ready to present and him for him to get us that money, that million dollars he was going to get us, we had to have a hell of a project. So I spent the whole year and a half, all the time that we were in litigation, I was working on the Deepa album. So we finally got past that. The judge told David Cooknam to kick rocks. I'm not going to stop these guys from eating just because. And when they, when the judge found out who was writing the songs? He, because he he understands the language of the contract. He's like, this contract's fine. And, uh, right. Know, they can get publishing, but mm -hmm. when he found out that they weren't writers, he said, "Wait, wait, you guys don't." The judge, this is in court. Mm. The judge was like, "Hey, you guys don't write." 
And then my lawyer was like, no, 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 these are the writers. These are the writers. The judge was like, oh, oh, shit. The <laughs> <laughs> dirty business, man. Yes, dirty man. business. So we get with Sylvia. We, 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 we sign with Lewis. Mind you, Sylvia had already told us she didn't like that. She did not want us to sign with Lewis Burrell. She said it out of her mouth. She warned you. Yes, she, she said, you guys, you. she said, we can have meetings with anybody you want, but I don't want to fuck with that nigga. Mm, Period. Mm, mm. Right? So. Straight like that. Long story short, Alan convinces us to do it. We do it. We get with Lewis Burrell. Sylvia doesn't like it, but when she flies to L.A. to get with me to see this new project, man, she loves the deeper record, man. Yeah. She loved the work that I did. I gotta, I gotta put it up one more time, man. You hey. got hey, this project hey. right here. I'm telling y'all, you would That's not. That's my be. heart and soul, right there. And, man. and 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 the reason why I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you, brother, brother. That project, out of all you guys' projects, all three of my classics. Let's yeah. make that. Let's make that clear. Yeah, emphatically clear. Yeah. But the songwriting on that project by you, because wow. you. Man, it I, it really stands the test of time, man. Wow, that's like, awesome, I got I got to I got to salute you, brother, man. Like I did not realize how dope that project. I I, I thought it was dope back then, but yeah. now, 25 27 years later and brother Still man, sounds good. It sounds fresh, brother. Still yeah, and fresh. I and and you know, I, I put so much on it and when Sylvia came, she was in LA with me for a week, man. She's just, she kept her office. She, she made her little office at the studio, man. She was a part of me in the project. She okay. was with me. And this is why we had a number one record. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Well, um, Troop was going to give you another, a number one record. <laughs> yes. And, and, and what happened was, is when you don't know the business and the way things are structured, you as an artist trying to find and get your best situation could fuck up the business or mess up the mm. business that's in tow. You know, and not to just spill beans or put people out there, but there's relationships in this record business. Like if you have a group and I work at a label mm -hmm. and I know that it's only going to take you 150 to do the album, right. I'll give you 300. Mm. But you got to see me when we get off work. Mm. So when you mess up those kind of situations, you don't even realize that you've done that. So on top of that, Lewis gets a million something dollars from Sylvia, man. And Sylvia ain't trying to give no nigga. Not back then. She wasn't trying to give us no million dollars. Yeah, I don't yeah. care who he was. <laughs> Keep your whole broke. You feel me? And y'all was her baby, man. But we were her babies because we're under control. Yeah, yeah. Give them young niggas a million dollars. We don't know what we'll have. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So anyway, we get with Lewis Burrell. We mess up all of that business. And so Sylvia decides after Sweet November, she's not finna invest in a project that's only gonna benefit us. You know, she didn't like the business. She didn't like Lewis Burrell. <clears throat> so she decided to not only lose interest in the group but to make sure that that album only sold so much she took it out of print and everything that's so crazy. just to get to my point that's all oh, that's the particulars that's not my point we need to hear this brother because I've, I've watched a bunch of interviews and I, i've never yeah, really people don't know you, i never really heard you speak on this man because you know it's to me 
being being remembering that time, man, I just there wasn't a lot of times you have an artist and they fall off, the music falls off, and you can see why they, you know, you can Not see why they went away. We Wait, went out with a number one record. Y'all went out with a number one record. Like y'all went out with a bang. <laughs> the album was dope. who does that, it, man? Who does that? Like it was just like as a young kid, it was just weird to me. So it was weird to us, bro. But I'm telling you the business side of it now at 50 years old. At at 20, I didn't know none of this stuff. I thought that the deeper album didn't sell because it wasn't good. That's I thought, I no thought, way. listen, I went five, six, seven years after that, thinking that I had ruined the group's career because I fought to do that album and it was no good, man. Oh, and then MySpace came along. Now I'm writing with producing. Now Troop is done in the sense that sense. I'm writing and producing with the underdogs now. And MySpace comes along, right? So I slow down, slow down before you get to that. Like I wanted to let's let's get it. <laughs> yo, the underdogs, man, wasn't like no just like we didn't go just talk about the underdogs and keep it moving. <laughs> yo, we not gonna do that, Steve. Okay. Not, yo, talk about the, now now troop went out and put it put out a project, a little something, something in ninety-four. You did the May J project, you guys reunited in ninety-eight, which I like that project, that made a project, man. I like that, but yeah, that was digging up out of a hole, man. That project was us being uh, uh, just let's just say we're homeless, no place to live. Bro, I like, that made a sound. I like. I like. No, that. we had nothing going on, and May Day was a, us making an effort at reviving. And again, I produced the entire album. Me and Alan like wrote that. it. I like that. One. Um, um, and. It's funny right now. Mayday is selling its ass off right now. That's what I was like. Come on, I know music. It's selling been, right now. I should have been an A and R. I should have been an A and R. That's okay. I'm still. I, we, tune, tune in, tune in. But look, so so you got the Mayday project, which to me, I love that project. And then here we come. It's the early two thousands. You you work with the underdogs, brother. Like, tell me how that came to be, man. Because the music that you guys put together. During that early 2000s, mid-2000s, phenomenal. So talk about that, brother. Well, once after May Day, um, I discovered that there was too much dissension that had arisen between the group members for me to exist with that being my sole care and concern. Mm -hmm. Because I was the biggest troop fan. You know, people say, oh, Steve's singing everything he's trying to do. And it was just the opposite. I was giving my all to my guys. Everything that I am, right. I'm giving right. it to this because right. I'm in it like that for us. That's you want, what that you want the group. You want the group. To yes. Be yes. When I call and say, hey, guys, I just finished a record, man. This, you, you guys need to come and sing the backgrounds. And they say, well, play it over the phone. And I play it. And they say, no, that sounds good. Keep it. We kept it. <laughs> so now the whole record, you know, the public, of course, the audience don't know that all you're hearing is Steve's sound. The audience don't know that. They think it's true, which is fine. That's that's fine. Right. But after over and over, it became obvious that it's time for Steve to, you know, my mom was trying her best to convince me, you need to be taking your song somewhere else now, son. Time to exit, exit stage it's left. Time to exit stage. She was trying her best. She knew I loved Troop, and I was so hurt yeah. that our careers were shortened like that, you know. So anyway, um, I was writing. You know, I was all. I've always been writing. So a friend of mine 
uh, Vassal Benford, he produced Jade. Yeah. Don't walk oh, yeah. Away. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so I was working with Vassal Benford, and um, he hired this engineer to to work with me because he was in and out, and I, he hired me to be his main producer. Okay. You know, so he hired this engineer by the name of Harvey Mason Jr. Mm. Um, now he's now now folks who may not know if you was going to share it. Go ahead, I'll let you talk. Go ahead. So anyway, Harvey Mason Jr. happens to be the son of one of the most profound, prolific there we go. studio session drummers of, yes, on sir. the planet. Harvey yes, Mason sir. Sr. is on every album in the 80s. George Benson, <laughs> George Benson to Paul Simon to just everybody. You name it, he, Harvey yes. Mason is on it. So yes. I just go ahead. Just, continue, he comes, Harvey comes from a phenomenal musical background through his dad so i only know him i don't know this at that time oh i'm only meeting him as an engineer and so as he's engineering for me he lets me know that he's a writer too Mm. so while vassal is gone he wouldn't vassal would never give us the key so he used to lock me and harvey in the studio and we'd have to spend the night bro and me and harvey would have to be up under the console just to get the heat to stay warm once we were sleeping (laughs) right so but in those hours and all those times, we became writing partners per mm-hmm. se. Okay. Writing and engineering partners. He's cutting the vocals with writing shit. And he he was always super fascinated by the way I wrote songs. Okay. And what I was able to do, I was able to take Alan and Gerald Lavert and Chucky and make this gumbo of Steve Russell. Talk about that process, man. We want to know what's the Steve Russell process, man. Well, how, do you, how do you go about writing these great songs, brother? Well, it's uh, I was taught by some pretty awesome. Alan, Alan is one of the best songwriters that I have come across, and he taught me how his formula. I became best friends with Gerald Levert. I got his formula. I was always a Chucky knight, so I was always around Chucky. So I got Chucky style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up a Michael Jackson, so I already got Mike in me. Mm-hmm. Howard Hewitt was my vocal coach and didn't know it, so I had okay. Howard Hewitt in me. Uh, O'Brien, you know, I had all these people who who certain art stuck in me. So as a writer, I took all of that with me. And um, so Harvey was blown away just by the way I'd say and just the way I did stuff. It was unorthodox and he loved it. So anyway, fast forward time, Mayday album, 1988 done. Because that time where I was telling you about Harvey, that's 92, 93. Wow. Right. You knew hold on, hold on, time on. You knew Harvey back then? Man, Harvey been writing songs since ninety-three. Damn. Yes. So of course there were no such thing as the underdogs then. So we go time past. We're having a very hard time. I lost the house, everything. My mom happened to have some apartments. I was able to get me and my family into one of her apartments. I put my studio, I never sold my studio equipment though, cause I knew I always had needed something to offer. So okay. I put my studio equipment upstairs in her apartment, one of her rooms. And that's where I did the Mayday album. And um, right when I decided after the Mayday album that it was time, you know, energetically, I was saying it's time for me to, something else has to give. Okay. Harvey calls out of the blue. Cause Harvey at this time is working with Michael Jackson and Dark Child, he's mm-hmm. enge- he's engineering and doing uh, drum the programming Invincible. and stuff for Rodney Jerkins. Okay, that on uh, the Invincible album. 
Yeah, and and you know that he wasn't man enough for me. Yeah, yeah, that? yeah, yeah that's yeah. Harvey doing all that shit. Oh, okay. Harvey's the most amazing engineer on the planet. Tony Braxton. Yeah, Harvey was amazing. So anyway, he, unbeknownst to me, he's he he left Dark Child, mm -hmm. and he met a guy there named Damon Thomas, who's a crazy writer. Um, and they formed this company called Underdogs. They were just putting it together, and um, the first person when they when they formed it, Damon Thomas got Jay Valentine from a group called the Neutrons. Mm. He's now grown and a songwriter. So Damon Thomas goes and get him to be a part of the Underdogs. And the first thing Harvey does is say, "Hey, I know who I'm getting." You know, <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> so Harvey drives all the way to the hood out in Rialto, man. It's way out in California. And we was in the hood at this time. Things were bad. So Harvey comes all the way out there, man. And he tells me, he's like, Steve, you know, I know you like writing songs by yourself. He said, but I got this situation. We're getting ready to start a production company, man. And I think this is this would be great for you, man. Write with some other guys, build you a lot of publishing. I just okay. think it would be great, you know. And unbeknownst to him, he was an angel. Mm. You get it? So that's how I became a part of the underdogs is when Harvey invited me to come and just try it out and just see. And what I did, like I did with Troop, I took my entire sound to the underdogs. I didn't just assist as a writer. I took Steve in there. And that's why you get gots to bees. How you gonna act like that? To the yeah, talk about some of those songs. Like I want the fans to know, because you know, a lot of people may not know when people think of music, a lot of people they know the they know the artists, but they forget they, they some people don't yeah, they think the artists write the song. They think the artists write the song. So I want you to just throw let, let the fans know some of these hits, man, some of these classic songs that you guys have written and produced, uh brother. Um Gots to Be from B2K, uh Why I Love You by B2K, Naked Marcus Houston, uh classic, classic. uh Tank. Uh, the Sex, Love, and Pain album. I'm on five songs on that album. Classic. Um, no Air, Jordan Sparks, Chris Brown. That was Cla a classic. I got my first Grammy on Take You Down, Chris Brown. Another one. Um, I got my second Grammy on his double album. I did a song called Up To You. Okay. Um, we got a Grammy on that. All 62 songs on Dream Girls, Shark Tale, Kung Fu Panda, Wreck. Mm. Um, uh, Rita Franklin, Charlie wow. Ruben Stutter, I mean, Sierra, Kiki Wyatt, uh, Jennifer Hudson. I got my first Grammy with Jennifer Hudson. Um, man, I've written and produced for so many people. Um, in the and it's too many to name, but in the course right. of dogs. I was able to rewrite my career as a song mm. producer. No longer the artist in troop. Now I'm a songwriter producer by trade at this time. Sold over 60 million, close to 100 million records as a songwriter producer. You guys hear that? Y'all hear that? 60 million, man. We like I said, more than that. Sick over 60 million, man. Like if. If it played on the radio, if you heard it on the radio, there was a good, there was a good chance uh, Steve Russell Hart and, and the Underdogs they 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 done wrote and produced it, man. So yeah. especially we talk about during the two thousands, y'all, you guys here, you guys were basically like 
part of the soundtrack yeah. of that era, man. We were. We were. And you save R&B, man, because a lot of people was talking about now, you know, the state of R&B is declining, man. And you guys was not only just making, you know, um, cultivating and curating great uh, rhythm and blues, but you was also making hits. And it's funny you say that because when I got with the underdogs, they were done with R&B. Mm. That's all they were talking about was, hey, man, we're doing this. We're going in this lane. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be in my room doing me. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And it's ironic that me doing me end up being the underdog sound. No doubt. That's what they, but, hey, man, I, I love, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, man. I want the fans to know that Mr. Mr. Russell is not, was not just a singer performer this brother is a writer and producer and it's a reason why he is a icon it's a reason why you guys should know who this brother is man he's a legend og in the game man so yeah. with, with that, all that being said uh, uh uh um mr russell do you still uh what do you enjoy most uh performing or writing and producing you know which which one you you enjoy most you know, I love it all. To be honest, you know, I'm 50 now, and when troop when we go out and we do shows, I still feel the same joy that I felt uh, from the fans. I still feel that feeling. But even when I first got in troop and we would start getting produced by Gerald Laverne and Chucky, I was blown away by them telling us what to sing no do it like this do it like this. and so in my mind i was like the producer is the one that's the shit i want to do that mm. as a producer i find joy in creating something from nothing taking a guy like mario i did a song called what your name is on mario that's my shit right there i did a song you know, shit. on chris brown's first record your man ain't me you know, which is Alan. I took Alan's whole style and did yeah. I know that he be acting all cocky like that's all Alan. That's Alan. Okay. Yo, <laughs> shout out to shout out to Alan, man. Shout shout out to Alec McNeil, man. All, what's that? Al Mac. That's my guy. Yeah, man. I always thought you guys was a hell of a one-two combo, man. I always thought you guys were hey, one question, man. Before you say it, I gotta ask this question. I've been back, I've been I, I I've been holding this in. Now on the on the uh spread my wings video, I could I'm sorry I'm bringing it up right now. And I should have been asked this question. Man, who is that doing that backflip, man? That's Rodney. Yo, that is yeah. but the athlete growing up, remember I told you Rodney used to Rodney when we were young and in school, him and his buddies would do flips all the way across the whole front of the schoolyard. Just keep going. Rodney was awesome. Man, so, I was always trying to figure out like who is the one doing that backflip. That's Rodney B, man. Yo, shout out to Rodney, man. Shot yo, that's <laughs> yo, that's what I'm saying. Like when it comes to that dancing, man, you guys had like there was no one. I want I want the fans to know. There was no one touching Troop. It was they on the Mount Rushmore. It was yeah. Troop, and then it was everybody else, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, 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 look. Here we are. You know, you just uh, released the project. Um, you know, in 2017, you dropped you uh, you dropped the Swept Away project, man. So, what made you step on on your own and finally do a um, you know do a solo project? Well, my actually my actual first album is was released in 2010. Oh, I. Man, so random. My bad, brother. I... My very first album is called So Random. Um, I released that um, without having any 
confidence in being a solo person because I was in a group so long. Right. I had missed the boat of even doing that. Um, but anyway, I, I, I released So Random um, with the uh, single Bring It Back, and I did Rock With You on that. I remade Rock With You on that album. Mm -hmm. And then I did a couple years later, I did an album called The Wedding Singer. Mm. All of my beautiful love songs, I put all of them together. See, what I was doing- was, I thought The Wedding Singer came after. Now, I know that one. The first one, I admit, man, I, I don't know the first one, but you know, I, know, I, I know The Wedding Singer. I, I thought that was after. Random, it's, 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 it's probably one of the better ones. Um, okay. So, um, I, 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 when it came to swept away, I did the, what I was doing was when I'm writing for Chris Brown, Charlie Wilson, Ruben Soto, whoever, mm -hmm. if Tyrese doesn't take the song, Charlie will take it or okay. if, that's how it works. But whatever songs that were not touched, I decided to, to create my company, Motel Music Media, okay. build my content up with these songs that never got placed. And I sang all the demos. So all I did, started collecting the songs and making albums to build up my own content okay and so i did that with the uh with the wedding singer album that was a bunch of love songs that i put together just to make a project that was a dope project and, by um, the way I, I like that one swept away um my whole goal in behind releasing these records i'm independent i know i'm not going to promote it but if i have the records available if all of the stuff is online and available whenever the time comes for me to promote whatever I want they're there right yeah. so I stuck to that but when I got to the uh, the the the, the uh, swept away album mm -hmm. I was working on a bunch of pop songs just as a writer I was writing a bunch of pop records for Elliot Yamin I was working on David Archuleta I was doing a lot of pop white artists and um so I put now, do you have to go into a different mode when you go into that like you know, is the process a little bit different or is it still the same? Is it still the same and the yeah. production? Because we know the sound of pop music is different. Yeah. But a lot of times when you're reading the lyrics, it's the pretty much, it's the same. The same. As, as far as songwriting, nothing changes. Of course, like you said, the production, I got with my boys, Midi Mafia, and um, they produced the entire uh swept away album and the reason why i even created that album was i put together a, a collection of those pop songs for my mom and mm. i put cd because she was in texas right. and I, I sent her this cd with all these songs on it and she called me she's like oh i love this mafia album because you know at the beginning of every song you hear them yeah, uh you know yeah, yeah. So, um, she called it the mafia she said i love this mafia album. <laughs> that's what encouraged me to put out the swept away album which you know, people hadn't heard me, still haven't, if you don't know the album, in singing pop records, singing strong, legit pop records. Um, and that's why I did that. I wanted to just stretch out and show my artistry. Mm -hmm. Like I said, at some point, I'm going to be picking songs from these records, doing visuals, which I'm going to start this year. No doubt, no doubt. Now, you you, you, um, you, re you redid the um, Michael Jackson's uh, hit with um, you know, uh, Alec McNeil. What's um, oh, man. What's the name of that one again? Lady in my life. Lady in my life. Now a lot of people do not touch. I don't know how how I just <laughs> forgot the name of that song. That's like, come on, that's on the Thriller album. Anyway, um, 
you guys read. A lot of people don't touch Mike's songs, man. So what made you, you know, go ahead and, and, and jump out there, man, and grab one of Mike joints, man? Because before you say anything, before you say anything, maybe you, maybe the fans may not know this, but I'm gonna be honest. On that deeper project, brother, I hear some Mike influence on that project. So I, I hear a little bit of of what you got of of of, of what's inside of you, brother. Yeah. I hear the potential. So talk about that, man. How did you come about picking that song and linking up with Alan, man, and and, and really doing a great uh, uh, service, man? You know, doing that song justice, brother. Well, the plan was, you know, um, Alan took a hiatus from all of us for a while. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and during that time, the four of us just continued to tour and do our thing. And once we all made amends and everything, you know, you know, we let go of the past and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I wanted to uh, wanted to to do something that showed me and Alan at our essence, like mm -hmm. how when we lived together before we ever came out and we were singing together in the house, singing O'Brien together and shit. You know, I I wanted the fans to get that from me and Alan. So, um, lady in my life, it was like a download. Um, mm -hmm. I had to sing at a friend's wedding and they wanted me to sing Lady in My Life. So of course me, I can't go and do a karaoke version. I have to produce the music out. No, no. <laughs> so, you know, so after I produced the music out and all that stuff, man, it sounded good, you know? It's real and, good, brother. That's an understatement. Yeah, I was like, and I called Alan. I was like, yo, man, you need to come to the studio, man, and help me sing this song. And Alan don't like singing other people's shit, bro. He does not like singing. That's why he's not on Sweet November. He don't like doing that. I always wanted. I always like in the video. I, I didn't. I don't. I don't see him. He took his and he took his vocals off, and the song became a number one record after he did that. So wow. now, bad guy. Continue. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Go ahead. So, uh, so he comes to the studio, man, and you know. I convinced him to put his vocals on the song. But I tell him I want him to be him because Alan already sounds like Mike. We're Mike's sons. Right, right. With me, him, down I told you, man, on that deeper project, you got in your mic. Like, that album, man, it sounded like, um, what is it, the... Uh, what's the Mike album that came out around that time? The Dangerous <laughs> album. I, 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 I hear a little bit. I hear a little bit. I hear a little bit of dangerous. I hear a little bit of Teddy Riley. No, question. I hear a little bit, man. But you, but it sounds like Steve, though. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like Steve. So go ahead. So I wanted Alan to do the same thing, but I told you know I told him I was like Alan, I'm not as an original guy like he is. Alan has been Alan since I met him. Even as a singer, he's Alan. He's got his own shit. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, he was concerned about being something that he's not. And once I convinced him just to do you, because he already know it sounds like my, he might anyway. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. At him doing his best, you're going to hear some Michael Jackson. Yeah. So I convinced him, man, just do you. Don't worry about trying to be like Mike. Just do your thing. And, um, you know, of course, me, I want to I wanna live up to my idol. You know, I want to make Mike proud. And the man, it Man, what? Come on, it's a Mike. A lot of people don't cover Mike songs, man. And if they do, they doing it for a talent show or yeah. karaoke. They not recording. They ain't recording that shit. 
No, it's tough to do, man. I, I tell you, as many songs as I've recorded in my life, um, even the demos that I've done from Michael's albums, I worked harder singing any Michael Jackson song than I ever worked singing a Steve song. Mm -hmm. you know, I, okay, so with, with, with that being said, when you guys did All I Do, did Michael Jackson, did he ever reach out to you guys, you know, about that? No, but he called everybody in his family, man. He called his whole family, men. this group, they did our song. They did our song. They did our song. Jackie Jackson said that Michael was bananas. Now, in a good way or a bad way? A beautiful way. He loved it. That's what's up. Favorite songs ever. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was blown away that we covered it as good as we did, man. He, Michael Jackson was blown away. And that's a, that's a Brian Holland song from Holland Doja Holland. That's uh, Michael Love Smith. Love, my bad. Okay, we um he produced this. Uh, Brian yeah. Holland produced yeah. it, exactly. but Michael Love Smith from the group uh, Love Smith, uh, he wrote it. Okay, yeah. okay. Come on, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, I'm just you know, and, and I'm 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 glad that you I said. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of like that song, it, I, it didn't do anything when Michael, when the Jackson 5 did it for whatever reason, like the, the, the hit on that album on the movie violation was the, it was uh, Forever Came Today. For some reason, I don't know why that song didn't hit, but when you guys did it, out of here. Out of here. <laughs> out of here, man. Out of here. I cried like a baby. He came backstage when we performed at the forum. And Hold that on, who was that? I didn't, I'm sorry. I, I was so excited. Who, 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 who was that? Jermaine Jackson. Oh God, and he was on fire at that around that time. Sick man, he 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 cried. He loved the song, man. Oh, he loved our rendition. And that's his last album. I believe that's the last time he performed. That was before he went solo. Yep, yep, that was it. So he was he was just touched by the performance, you know. And even Michael Lovesmith, he was he was shocked that we cut it in one session. You know, he said it took Mike like four or five days to cut the session. Mike cried because he couldn't get it right. You know, so they were they were just blown away by our performance of it, man. Uh, and with Lady in My Life, you know, this is the first song that I've put money behind to promote on my own label. Mm -hmm. so it's, 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 it's on playlist now. It's, it's streaming like crazy. And it's a dope, it's a dope <laughs> track, brother. It's dope, man. You guys. And um, it came out good, man. You know, like you said, a lot of people don't touch Mike, but if you do it with respect mm -hmm. and me and Alan with us together, we can pull off Mike. I was just about to say, man, you <laughs> come on, brother. You got the dynamic, the dynamic duo, man. I always used to call, I used to call, you know, and that's one of the things like when I used to think back, you know, uh, the comparison between new edition and you guys, man, as, as great as all those guys were, man, you guys had two great lead singers, man. New edition didn't really feature two leads. Ricky can sing. He, he didn't do. He really. He didn't really do leads. He, that's just what it is. But you guys had two distinctive, Tag two team. distinctive lead singers, man. Tag team, man. Yeah, and that was our goal. And so that was this, with with coming with a uh, lady in my life. Uh, the whole point was to bring that essence back. Man. You know, Get better as you get older, but the music business makes you they they want to run you out when you're great because they can't can't control you. Thank you. So I was gonna curse, but thank you did it great. <laughs> they run you out of the business, and they can't control you. So 
I wanted to show people the essence of these two guys that brought you spread my wings back mm. in the early 90s. Listen to them in 2000. You get what I'm saying? I get it. I get it. I get it. To put our essence back out there because there is only one Stephen Allen. There's only one. That's facts. It's just not there. And I just wanted to keep that alive. And that's why we did that. You know, um, luckily for me, I'm published by the same people that um, Rod Temperton is published by. So it's easy for me to do Michael's songs like Rock With You and all that. Okay. You gotta, you're going to be sick when you hear Rock With You. It's on the first album. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm still I'm still tripping that I haven't heard that one, man. I thought, you know, I thought that was the first project. Then I went, um, you know, the wedding singer. I thought that I thought that came after I heard that one. Yeah. OK, no. So Random was first. No, nah, I didn't hear that one. So Random is really good you're gonna like it yeah man um, soon we end this interview i'm i'm getting on itunes or wherever it's at i'm gonna download that thing and it's not i didn't find my the reason why my last i added hearts to my name was because i you know i grew up i never knew my father so uh in 2011 i was fortunate enough um uh, my wife she helped me i guess i mentioned so many times about my fatherless childhood until my wife helped me find my fam father's family bro wow my father's been deceased for years but i found all of my uncles my cousins my aunts and my, my grandfather before he wow. passed two years with my granddad man in 95 waited on me you know and um uh that's when i decided when i met the man who made my father that's when i decided to take his name and so anyway, my point is the first. No, but I, no, no, I'm glad that you said that because I wanted to ask you about that was going to be like my next question. Okay. Please don't please don't forget what you're about to say. I'm going to be real quick. But I always thought like you because you you became a songwriter, you became you know part of the underdogs. I always thought you just took on a different, you know, like a different, you know, persona, what, what have you. So I, I had I had no idea about that. brother. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you shared that. I, I was no I became no longer was I a bastard child when I found no out. No doubt, no doubt. Found out that my true last name was Hearts, and so I just added it to uh, Steve Russell. And I was saying that to say, when I put the deep, when I put the so random album out, it was just Steve Russell. It wasn't even Stephen Russell. It was Steve Russell. Okay. And you know, when I started releasing music, man, I was Stephen Russell. Steve, you know, I would. Yeah, that's what I always say. It's like even, even I believe even on these albums, it, sometimes it say Steve, sometimes it say Stephen. Yeah, so, um, um, why was I saying that? Oh, I was saying that so you could find it. Yeah, so it's, it's okay. Steve Russell's Just random. And I did, I re-released it a year later. And Rock it, with you, rock with you. Oh, so random exclusive. Mm. There's some other unreleased songs on there. But all together, I got. I just released my my last album. I released in 2019 called um, Trapsody. You know, I got with this young producer, and I just felt like coming out of my box of old style R and B and doing some new. Fresh Talk style. about that, man. Let's get into that, man. What's what's your what is your take on rhythm and blues today, man? Because you guys set a very, very very high standard and a lot of people and it's not just including me we miss that feeling that troop used to give us man and we want that back even with the underdogs man like what is your take on 2021 rhythm and blues well I, it's there you know um 
I happen to listen to a lot of good R&B music, but it's just not mainstream. It's not in the forefront. Mm -hmm. The to answer your question, the music that's in the forefront is lacking a lot of substance, a lot of love, and a lot of medicine. Mm. Um, uh, I'm not a hater on creativity. I love what everybody is doing. You got to eat. No uh, doubt as their time. I remember when guys from the South couldn't even get a record deal. Now their music is running the industry. So everybody has their day. I just, I know for a fact that we give our, we're so talented that we give our essence away to other races, mm. essence away to, like we're critical on each other. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, we have so much to offer until we don't enjoy and love it from our own. If Justin Timberlake braid his hair and come with some shit that sound like Joe. Greatest thing ever. It's the greatest you know, thing ever. But because Joe is already awesome, it'll just be okay that Joe do it. So we have that issue and you have a bunch of kids creating music now that have no musical education. Their parents didn't play real music to them talk they about body on youtube doing something so they went and downloaded a program and now they're doing it and when you get when you make hits with no essence and that becomes the shit now all the labels is looking for you to be un unessenced mm. that we want I, that I, I like the way you put that could tell you they don't they don't they don't care if you have essence or not as long as you got what makes shit hot today. So mm -hmm. we're caught up in, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to get too deep. No, no, please do, brother, because I share we, we need brothers like you, man, to, to you know, to, to continue to which I'm trying to preserve. I'm trying to help preserve what yeah. you guys created, brother, because, bro, brother, we, we, we're missing it. We missed yeah. it. I'm, I'm in my 40s now. And I remember yeah. where nothing I, everything on the radio was just great. Everything Not, that's and and I I just don't I, I don't hear that anymore because you know? you know, like you said back in the day, you could hear New Edition, if it isn't love, then turn around and hear Troops spread my wings, right. then turn around and hear I cry I cry for you by Jodeci, mm -hmm. and hear on Bending Knee by Boys to Men. So you had a you had everybody, nobody's trying to be, Troop has never once tried to be like New Edition ever. Right. Right? That's a fact. That's a fact. Everything, every melody that you hear is trying to be like the melody that came before it, whether Drake did it or whatever. Everybody wants to be on that same melody instead of originality. Mm -hmm. And that's because the, the the record executives, they don't have the, they got bills to pay. They can't afford to lose their job by gambling. So nobody else gambles. That's That sums it up pretty much. That's what it sounds like to me. So like no one, no one gambles. Nobody gambles on making. There's no, it's the originality, you know, like no. you guys, when you guys came out, like you was just saying, uh, and I'm going to piggyback on what you just said. Um, Truth didn't sound like New Edition. No. New Edition. They didn't sound like high five and high five didn't sound like, you no, know, like, like, no, like nobody sounded the same. You guys had Alan McNeil, Steve Russell got their two distinctive leads. Uh, Troop got their two distinctive leads. New Edition had Ralph. 
um, you know, Hop Out had Tony Thompson. Everybody was just very unique. And it seemed like you guys went out of your way to separate yourselves from this person. I don't want to be, I want to be great as Troop. Funny you said that, man, because that was, we went out of our way. We was on the ground worming and man, we went out of our way to. And still sounding like that, that uh, man, not to go back, but brother, I, man, y'all was on some alien shit, that performance, man. Like, that was some godly, brother, because you sounded better. Yeah. On, on performing live. And that's another thing. It seemed like how do you was doing all of this dancing yeah. and still coming back to the mic and not huffing it. <sighs> like, tough. I didn't hear any. Like, how the hell was y'all pulling that off? Because we said. And that's missing, like, like that's missing yeah. in rhythm and blues. Like, I don't want to hear somebody singing over an MP3. Yeah, that's it's just not the same anymore, man. Um, but I honestly believe that R&B, the essence of it, is on a comeback. Um, I hope so. I, I hope mean, so. I mean, I'm this year. I'm, I'm, I'm this year. I'm getting ready to um, rededicate myself to writing and placing songs and getting songs out. So dumb break you know my mom transitioned and you know sorry to hear that mom transitioned about four and a half years ago i looked at my life and realized that all i spent time doing was creating music you know right like okay what am i doing here man you know your purpose what's your purpose yeah you know I'm, I'm 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 writing music and i'm spending all these hours trying to become something while missing what i am you know yeah. so yeah. I, I i've been living in my skin i've been living in the now for the first time for these last four and a half five years so now that i'm i'm back to who my mom created no I'm, are creating again you know so I'm, I'm getting ready to kill the game with these young guys i'm getting with young producers young writers i'm getting ready to add that essence that soul essence that music is missing let them know man let 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 them know uh 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 steve let them know brother let them know man yep i'm bringing all that back man you know i'm, I'm currently working on my daughter my daughter's an art artist too by the name of okay. Steve. both of my children uh my son stevie hearts uh put your heart in it he's an artist amazing artist I gotta check him out i gotta check him out check both of them out my daughter sia sia amun she's an amazing artist um okay. i've let her do her thing stayed out of the way i finally get a chance to produce on her so i'm working on my daughter right now i'm excited okay, okay. Uh, you know i'm super excited about that but i'm mostly excited about the essence that i'm getting i'm getting ready to bring steve russell back to the music business mm. you get what i'm saying nah, i get it brother i get it we we, we need that brother we need yeah. we, we need that especially in, in in rhythm and blues man and you notice i say rhythm. i don't even like saying the term r b man i like rhythm and blues because we need it you know um it's our essence i just think that we need to value it coming from us yes yes not just amen amen if adele she's good but we got uh what's my girl what's my girl uh jasmine sullivan and vivian green like come on man like stop it they they <laughs> she got an amazing voice it seemed like and now correct me if i'm wrong you're in the industry and you've seen all levels of the industry but it seems as outside of looking in, as a fan of the music, as a fan of the culture, 
it seems to me as if black people were not being allowed to do our music, like as far as rhythm and blues, but Adele and, uh, uh, you know, this Justin Timberlake or uh, Sam Smith, they act like they're the greatest thing ever when they do our music, but we like we have to do pop type, hip hop ish type music. Like I back in the day, you had hip hop and rhythm and blues. They was like here, like what it seems like now. We, you, you can't get a rhythm and blues song unless you got a rapper on it. Like so, so do you feel like we're going to get back to the point where we can have traditional rhythm and blues with no auto tune, some great pure singing like what you guys used to give us do you feel you you see that coming back well it's gonna come back but it's not gonna be the way we want it to come back it's gonna have innovation of involved in it it's gonna that's be fine. that's fine innovative r&b it's gonna be a new take on the same thing uh because we talk different now you know we express ourselves a little different you know when i was first writing songs um my whole goal was the best, the slickest way to say something without saying it the way normal people say it. You know, right. now saying it the normal way is what's hot. So right. the R&B that's on its way back now is going to have the essence of, of old, but represent where we're at now. And the one thing that needs to happen in our music is the separation of hip hop from R&B. We got to separate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But because we're in a racist society and everything is racist, of course, the black music is going to be on one chart. You get what I'm saying? That's just the way they do us. Unless it was even back like uh, even with the, uh, I heard even with Atlantic, like you guys had a black division. Uh, of course. MCA, the black music division. All black singles. It's crazy. It's crazy. Total racist. Like, how are you going to be on MCA or Atlantic Records and have, anyway? We, 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 that, that, we'll be talking about that all night. But um, <laughs> so continue. Go ahead. <laughs> so it's like I think the essence of R&B is on its way back because you know me and my buddies Troy Taylor. Uh, Shout out to Troy Taylor. What's the, what Troy Taylor up to? Uh, writing his ass off. You know he just released a new album on Trey Songs, a new R&B album on Trey Songs. Full army album. Um, Him and Troy, uh, Troy and Trey, um, magic together. Taylor did "Why I Love You" on B2K together. Uh, we did Janae Aiko's first album together. Now, I like her. Now, now she, I like I've been her since she was fourteen. I like, I like her. You, what I don't like is there's a thousand of her now. Like they a, a, a thousand came behind her and mimic what she does. Like I don't need a thousand. Janae Eichel. I don't need a thousand true. No, I don't need a thousand Steve Russell. I don't need a thousand Ralph Tresvance or whatever. Like, and that, and that's really my problem. You know, because not to be long winded. That's really my problem with the music. What today. we now, what we do is we hear something that we like and we want to cop it and do it. You know, and it's always been that way in the music business. But when you listen to Caribbean Queen. Now we share. Nobody, Nobody was do, doing that. <laughs> I have no idea that the music that he's on, doom, 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 is Billy. You have no idea that they ripped Billy Jean off to get that song. But it don't sound the same. Like Billy Ocean don't sound like. Like my thing is, can you can you do? At the end of the day, we all singing about the same stuff. Yeah. Because you do it differently. 
Yeah, that's what the industry needs now, man. I mean, do it differently. You know, the set, music of the eighties did not sound like the music of the seventies. Nah. The music of the seventies did not like. And that's fine. The nineties did not sound like the eighties. Right. But all, but one thing you guys had in common, and it seemed like, is the essence and the purity of the voices and the distinctiveness. You guys had that. And you can't tell one artist from the next. The only the artist that I like right now that's totally doing yeah, who you listening to roddy rich he, he's Roddy's the dope. original he's the he's most dope. original cat coming he don't want to sound like nobody he's, he's dope he's and dope. i and i like that the fact that he's so original and yeah. he's, he's singing on these records yeah but now but but you got like a thousand people trying to do what he does and that's what sucks man. like i don't need like come on don't give me a thousand roddy rich because you're watering down and, and eventually that 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 wave is 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 over with. Yep. Because we get tired of hearing it. And it seems like like nowadays, seems like music changes so quickly, so fast, man. And, and you everything know. is right now. Everybody wants it right now. So for a guy like me that that still has integrity and essence in his writing and in his songs, no doubt. I have to figure out how to play this game and 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 sneak that essence back in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, my whole goal that's my whole mission is to work on artists that people love and, and but all of a sudden with this song they got a feeling to it like damn that feels so good you know i want to bring that feeling back that that's music, it. the medicine yeah. music that we grew up on you know me watching my tears roll down my mother's face because she's singing an isley record and it's making her feel so good brother talk about it we need talk that that type of essence back but you but I'm, you got kids and this is no diss to the kids that are creating great music mm-hmm. you kids that have no role decks of music and these are the kids that make ah, please man i got somebody <laughs> so, i ain't mean this i ain't mean to stop you but i <laughs> got some of those yeah yeah <laughs> if i listen to the eileys Isley's on a daily basis to this day. I listen to you guys and Levert as if your music came out yesterday. Awesome, because that's how I do Heat Wave, man. I listen to Heat Wave right oh, now. Oh, man, what? <laughs> Sitting on the sunshine, what? Sitting <laughs> <laughs> on the sunshine. I'll tell you, man. That, man. Yo, rest in peace to Johnny Wilder. Yo, that Central Heating. And- what? <laughs> Yo, the vocals on that is crazy. Yo, shout out to Rod Temperton, man. He's a Johnny goat. Wilder. Johnny Wilder was an amazing singer. Oh man, oh man. To this day, uh, and you hear where Michael's arrangements come from. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you can hear. Yes, yes, yes. The groove line. When you come hear on. groove line, man, that take you right. That take you right to to to, to all the song off the wall and all of that. Do you know that I just found out that on the groove line they're saying rain shine don't mind we're riding on the groove line i thought they were saying the nation won't mind you know how you make up your i own. never knew what they was that part i just know the <laughs> groove line i knew that part they're saying rain shine don't mind we're riding on the groove line tonight i had no idea <laughs> i had no <laughs> yo that song came out back with like 78 i was like you know what i'm saying like i had no idea I was a kid listening to Groove Line. <laughs> Amazing thing back then, and to this day, like I, I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a music essence head, man. I like filling myself with music that has essence, so that when I start to create and write, I'm not losing that. You no, know, no. man. 
No doubt, man. I'm, I'm glad I had I had the white I had the right one uh on tonight, man. I had the right one, man. This has been an honor, uh, Mr. Russell, man. You I thought you was a cool brother, man, but man, you just showed me, man, different <laughs> levels to you, man. I, uh Jackie, I talked with Jackie McGee. Oh yeah. You know, and she the one, you know, kind of you know, connecting me with you, brother. But this has been an honor, man. This has been an honor and a pleasure, brother, to to really chop it up with you, man. And I want the fans to know, man, like you what you what, who I'm talking to a legend right here, man. If you guys don't know, man, now you know. Check this brother's music out from the solo work. Protect if do your what, what Fred Joe Star say, do your Googles. Yeah, do the Google. Do do your Googles, man. We talk about these classic albums from Troop. You can't you, you can't go wrong with these, man. You got anything else, brother, before we get out of here, man? Like yeah, man, I want, I want people to just collect the music. I got an album out called Trapsody. Um, mm -hmm. the single off of Trapsody is New Ho. I know I'm boxed in as Mr. Spread My Wings, but <laughs> I got well, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Just just give us that essence. Just yeah. that's it. Just give us the essence. Got the wedding singer, you got Trapsody. The Wedding Singer, Swept Away, So Random, So Random Exclusive. Mm -hmm. I just re-released Deeper. It's called Deeper Revisited. Mm -hmm. I just re-released the Mayday album called May Mayday 2K17. Okay. I just released a compilation on Troop called Troop The Slow Songs. Mm -hmm. I released another compilation called Troop The B-Sides. And I just need everybody to go and support the music because it don't stop. And I want to give a big shout out to my brother Reggie who's um, having a hard time right now. He's in the hospital recovering and, and trying to keep, keep in this life. And I just want to uh, send him some amazing energy oh, okay. uh, being such a soldier in his life. And I want to thank you for having me, man, and thank all the fans. And um, I'm, I just finished my first film called Day Ones, eight episodes series. Okay. Uh, that's getting ready to be uh, streaming everywhere. I'm just working out the particulars right now. Okay. So I'm everywhere, man, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it in, man. I'm finishing my autobiography right now. Um, I'm just, I'm just spreading my wings, man. I'm gonna, you know, I'm doing it all, man. From music, films, everything, I'm, I'm in it. That's what's up, man. Well, look, Bridging the Generation podcast, we wanna thank you, Mr. Steve Russell Hartz, Mr. Steve Russell. Brother, this has been an honor. We love you, man. Keep doing your thing. You are an icon. I want you to know that, brother. I want to give you your flowers. And thank for Britain the Generation podcast, man, from my mouth to your ears, man, brother, thank you so much for your contributions, man. And if you really mean it, send me that jacket. Oh, hey, brother, it's nothing. I got, you know, hey, it's nothing. I got you, brother. <laughs> I got you. This is a real, hey. I was gonna do that. I was gonna. I was gonna wear the red, white, and blue one because right. to go with the background. But I said, "Yo, I got. I, I just got this one specifically I, I for this it. interview. I gotta get that, man. Specific. And I and I spoke this into an existence. I, I I did not even think that I was gonna. I did not know that I was gonna be able to have you on. Yeah, yeah. For it just in case. That's awesome, man. I said just in case, man. I I get to have you on the platform, brother. I'm gonna wear this, man. This has been a dream come true. You guys, if if you guys can know, if you guys will understand all the excitement that's going in my body, I think I, I did real good as far as holding my composure, <laughs> you know. But um, again, brother, man, we love you, man. Thank you for everything, brother. Love you. It's been an honor. Much man. Well, having me man i totally appreciate it man no doubt well no doubt man well look this is uh bridging the generation podcast i'm a lock a reef 
Steve Russell of Troop. We signing out, brother. You take care and God bless, man. We playing praying for you, Reggie. Love you. Thank you.